Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, February 6, 2022. The big show coming up for you tonight. Joe Pantorno of AM New York will be joining us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, Shawnee. How's everything going, bud? Everything's going fine. It's great. You're doing well every weekend. Every time I ask you, you're doing well, and that's great. Yeah, what, what else am I supposed to do? I don't know. Maybe mix it up. Say fantastic or you spectacular. You know, it's been a terrible week, Sean. Let me burden <laughs> you with my life issues. Yes, that's what we want to hear on Hockey Night in New York. Thanks so much for tuning in to a late night edition of Hockey Night in New York presented by R.J. Daniels. And we want to remind you that we are proud to be presented by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It is the best place to catch the aisles when you can't be at the game. Head down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HDTVs, and in-game sound. Also happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Brand new location, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip and UBS Arena at Belmont. They're an official partner of the New York Islanders. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. Also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. Also happy to be sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations at the Islanders' brand new arena, brand new home at UBS Arena, and even more distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the Tap Room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic beverages. And of course, all you guys hanging out in the chat, make sure you get your questions in for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewery, so Christian, the Islanders went one for one with a convincing win over the Ottawa Senators and then an extremely disappointing loss against the Seattle Kraken, their first battle with the with the sea folk out from Washington. Three nothing shutout loss heading into All-Star Weekend. Very disappointing. But All-Star Weekend is in the books. Adam Pellick had himself a time. Mm-hmm. Did the hardest shot competition. His uh, Metro All-Stars ended up winning the little tournament. So right. what do you say, CA? Well, I hope I hope Adam Pellick stayed far away from uh, Nico Hushire. That's all I hope. Uh, right, right, the New Jersey Devils player that got COVID is now in COVID protocol. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I think it's Hushire. Oh, boy. that's um, I didn't I actually didn't see that. I should so. probably check and make sure that's the right player that got COVID and not <laughs> You're just making, not stuff making up. that up. Yeah, you um, probably are. Let's be honest. But sure hope he stayed away fa- from that person. Far away from that person. Hella far. Hella far. Jack Hughes, excuse me, it was Jack Hughes, not Nico Hearshire. But the joke remains the same regardless. Yes, hopefully he did. We don't need another we don't need another breakout. Outbreak. Uh, with Right. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hockey Night New York after dark. So, Christian, yeah, I mean, not a great week. One and one, two teams you're supposed to beat. We keep talking about these two teams. They beat one team. Uh, the other game was just absolutely brutal to watch. Uh, I feel bad for the people that I feel bad for the people that paid money to go see that game because it was not great. And uh, I was there. I was uh, you there. know, yeah. uh, 
it was nice to see the fans give Jordan Everly a, a you know a well deserved welcome back to yep. Long Island mm-hmm. and in you know very nice fashion, and I'm sure he appreciated that and was excited in his own way to be back on Long Island. But the Islanders in that game just didn't look great. It was not a great game as far as when you look at the way the team played, not their best effort, and especially against a team that was. No, it wasn't. I mean that's that's. I mean, I understand. I'm about to say something, but you know, that's a team that's a bottom feeder out there in the Western Conference, and not just because they're a fictional sea monster, <laughs> right? Yeah, and they were doing very well against these lesser teams for a while. There, they had a really good run going where they were beating them all, and then I don't know. I mean, to me, it it, it looked like they were ready to just hit the All Star yeah. break, like which is a ready. bad look to begin with, considering this the fact that they can't really. They can't take any nights off. No, we talked about it. There's no margin for error. And they didn't have the back-to-back excuse because Seattle played the night before, if I remember right. So, I mean, you have a home uh, home game against a team that's an expansion team. They're not having a good season. Right. It was all there for the taking. You know, you get to go into the All-Star break a game over 500 if they win. Back-to-back wins. Right. And instead, the the momentum ceases. They're they're now a game under because they lost in regulation. And it just keeps you questioning just where this team is going to go with just over half a season remaining here after the break. Nice, nice little shimmy there. And <laughs> I was just trying to get closer to the computer and still stay sure, yeah. in the right spot for the show. And it doesn't, it doesn't get any easier because they're heading out on those West Coast swings now here in February. Now, Barry Trotz in a previous press conference has said, you know, it'll be good to get on the road. They've been home for a while. Maybe that's something that'll that'll get them going a little bit. I hope it does because these West Coast swings are never easy. Yeah, I mean, that game was bad to this to the point where that may... I you're going to say bad to the bone. No, no, I was not going <laughs> to It was bad to the point where I don't think in the three years that Barry... Tr- three years, right? The four years now uh, that Barry Trotz has been here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've seen him as visibly upset about a loss more than I would say that Thursday loss from what I saw from that post-game press conference, right? Um, mm-hmm. Understandably so. That was as you said, and as I think we talked about coming into that game, those are two games that are very winnable games. Those are bottom-of-the-barrel NHL teams that are, you know, Seattle is just trying to set in a, you know, establish sort of that identity and create that culture and all those things that you do as a, you know, traditional expansion franchise. You know, mm-hmm. not you're not getting the success that they had like Las Vegas or, um, or really just Vegas because that was a historically, um, you know, stacked team that that yeah. did something really we'll special. Again, I don't yeah. think we ever will. No. Seattle's taking that different approach. They are taking the traditional expansion route approach, and that's a team you have to kind of clapper around. Um, I know Seattle had a, a little bit extra motivation just because that was Jordan Eberle's revenge game, right? And so... Sure. Well, but they, isn't like every first game against a team <laughs> a revenge game? There's somebody on Seattle that's playing their, their right, former but team that's, for the first but time. But that's the thing. I think those yeah. guys knew, you know, Jordan Eberle spent a number of years here, four years on Long Island. Yeah. He was a, a critical part of those uh, runs to the co- conference finals and, and all these big playoff moments yeah. for the Islanders and Nassau Coliseum and, and, and different venues for, for the Isles. But I think they understood talking to them because I was there at that game actually covering it. I went down to talk to some of the Seattle players, including Jordan Eberle. And while Eberle, who was traditionally very kind of like, you know, low-key and never going to say anything that, oh, yeah, like, you know, this meant this meant more to me, et cetera, et cetera. I think mm-hmm. all those guys knew that this game meant more to him 
Um, yeah, he didn't want to go games. anywhere. Yeah, so I think there was that extra motivating factor as well. I mean, those were two very boring, bad periods of hockey, and then the third, they kind of picked up a bit more, um, which was nice to suddenly see something happen as the, as the game progressed. But Yeah, but we've seen too much of that too little too late from this team recently, and, and that's been happening against the better teams where they spot them a couple of goals, and then towards the end of the game, they, they put a fight up to, to try to come back. But this one, as at least from the Islanders' standpoint, you're right, was a total sleeper. They put up 19 shots. And they just didn't have it. And, and I, I got to side with Barry with, with what he basically said. You know, even when they lose games, it, when they get blown out or whatever the case may be, they usually they show up, right? Yeah. Maybe a game yeah. doesn't go your way and they make mistakes or, or what have you. But this just looked like a game where they were, not, they were mentally checked out. And that's, and that's, I think, the most concerning part mm-hmm. of all of this, right? Because you just can't be in that situation anymore. You mm-hmm. can't have that mentality at the halfway point of the season when you're when you're trying to fight to even kind of keep that little slim chance of making the postseason alive because what happens now when you get down here in the second half of the season where you have tough games or you, you have nights where you know you have maybe a couple days off afterwards, what is the Islanders' mentality and what is the Islanders' character going to be when you get to that point? And I think that's maybe what Barry Trotz was getting at because this is a team that's always, and I'm not questioning their character, right? This is a team that's shown time and time again that they have a very strong character, that this, mm-hmm. you know, this is a team that they go out and they play and they want to win regardless mm-hmm. of what the scenario is. But it certainly raises some red flags that where, what is the mindset of the team now in, in perhaps their toughest spot in the Barry Trotz era? Of, of being the Islanders coach. This is the first time under Trotz that this team has been unsuccessful, that their playoff hopes were essentially diminished by the time they hit December or January. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> notwithstanding, the Islanders can look back and they can be frustrated and go, well, we got screwed because they had a 13-game road trip to start the year. COVID was handled very poorly by the league with the Islanders and then subsequently handled better as as. Things as more teams began to mm-hmm. have the same issues, mm-hmm. so the Islanders, the Ottawa Senators, Pittsburgh Penguins, San Jose Sharks were kind of the yeah the, we've been through all that. The, the, but the point being is, at what point or at what point do you kind of get a little concerned that perhaps there are guys in the locker room that are throwing themselves a little bit of a pity party, right? Like, I'm not saying can't this rule is, it. no, hey, I'm, look, can't say, but at this <clears throat> point, I think you kind of have to ask the question: Is there a concern now that you know this team is not not that it's checked out, but that it's it's starting to get down on itself because of the circumstances that have gone all gone on the last couple months. It's, it's a good point to raise because this is really this is the first time in the Barry Trotz era where they've they've hit such a wall so early in a season where they they didn't spot themselves points. They right. didn't get themselves to the top of the division or the conference where they can afford a loss. Like, you know, you look at and I've said this before, like look, even the best teams lose to bad teams, right? Like mm-hmm. you look at Colorado losing to Arizona not too long ago. But they can afford to do that, right? Because they've already built themselves plenty of points in the standings. Where, yeah, you can lose a game to a bad team like that. Unfortunately, with the Islanders, they face a team like the Kraken, and they have to show up to every game. Yeah. They have to win those games. I mean, we already know how bad they've been against against good teams. So you have to go a hundred percent against against the other ones, right? So, but you're right. Like because they're in this circumstance, kind of foreign to this this squad under Barry Trotz, right. where they they. They've had so much go against them in the early going. And, and look, you, you got 23 guys in that roster. And look, they're, they're highly paid professionals. This is what they do day mm-hmm. in, day out. And regardless of the circumstances, they're still expected to show up and, and put it out there 100%. But they're also human beings. And you're right. These are things that can creep in the back of their yeah. heads where they see, 
They see the standings. They look how far up they got to go. They look how much work they have to do. And, you know, maybe it just ends up with guys gripping their sticks too tight or just, you know, second-guessing this or that. And and it could play into it mentally. Again, at the end of the day, you got to show up and you got to play your best game. But, but no, it's true. It's it's definitely a circumstance that they haven't found themselves in. So, you know, it could be something that's going on in their minds as, as we once again try to play uh, amateur doctor here <laughs> on Hockey Night in New York. But uh, we should probably break because we got Joe Pantona right. waiting for us on AM New York. So, folks, want to thank you all for check, checking us out late here at Twitch. Check, 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 out. That's not nice. What? <laughs> That's not nice. What? You're mocking me. No, I'm not. Oh, check, 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 check it out. That's what I was doing. Oh, I was not. Well, I was. It was the Beastie Boys song. Sure. I'm, yeah. I wasn't making fun of you. It's okay. I'm over it. But I wasn't making fun of you. Though. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. So thanks the for tuning time, in. one time, I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> right. The one time. Thanks for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Pantorno of AM New York will join us. It's a new Islander season and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill. Your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy with Shawnee and C. Arnold on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night in New York. I'm Christian Arnold. With me, as always, Sean Cuthbert. Every Sunday or Friday or Monday or Tuesday or Saturday sometimes, I don't know, we're every week at some day. Right here on twitch.tv backslash hockey night. And why, of course, it's everyone's favorite time of the show on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And with us on the line is Joe Pantorno from AM New York. Joe, welcome to Hockey Night New York again. How's it going, bud? Christian, it's good to see you. Haven't talked to you in a few hours. Uh, right. Great to be back on. Well, we're excited to have you back on. And obviously a lot to talk about 
with the Brooklyn Nets, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Oh, wait, sorry, I'm confused. We're not talking Brooklyn Nets. There's we a lot to talk about that? with the Islanders. Right, sorry, the Islanders. Jeez. There's a lot to talk about with the Islanders, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> um, there is a lot to talk about the Islanders, but it is a lot of losing. Uh, actually, Oof. a lot well, like, the New, like the Brooklyn Nets, ironically enough. But, Joe, Sean and I were actually just talking about this, and I'm curious to kind of get your perspective before we, we hit the break. We were talking about kind of the mindset of the Islanders, and you obviously watched Thursday's game against the Seattle Kraken and the effortless effort that it seemed the Islanders had there that night. It was, it was a rough game, a 3 nothing loss to the, to, to the expansion Seattle Kraken. And Sean and I were kind of talking about, is it time to be a little bit concerned about the mindset of the New York Islanders right now considering that's a game that they should have won. Uh, and it seemed like, understandably, it's, it's they're a couple day, they're day away from their vacation, a couple-day break for the Islanders. And um, it, it, it certainly seems like perhaps the frustration of the season is getting the better of them, Joe. And I'm curious to see where you stand on that and if maybe you're a little bit concerned now that the Islanders are facing a little adversity and they're not maybe stepping up like they usually would? It's more than fair to be concerned. I feel like everybody uh, associated with the team or those who are supporting the team should be concerned uh, because you, you said it best. That was a listless, lifeless, depressing performance. Uh, <laughs> we really haven't seen. And you made me go to see that game. Uh, I, listen, if, if I wasn't feeling so lousy, I would have been there. Um, but you haven't seen that kind of performance from the Islanders since, you know, the, the pre-Barry Trotz era. Yeah. Uh, where you kind of had a feeling where, you know, they're, they're putting up five shots in a period against an expansion team. You said, that, that there's no way they're winning this game. Yeah. You can tell. Where normally, you know, if they have an off night, you, you, you kind of have the inkling or you even convince – yourself i think just because of the goodwill that they have built up over the last two years that okay they're still in it you know all they need is one to go in and the floodgates can potentially open up i don't think anybody had that feeling on thursday night um and it's quite an indictment of just how far things have fallen so quickly and i think barry trotz's post-game comments sort of solidified that the concern should be there, uh, saying that that was probably one of the most disappointing games that he had coached with the Islanders. So uh, red flags all around, I would say. Joe, I uh, have to agree with you there. And by the way, mustache looks fantastic. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate it. It's my, uh, that's my this is 30 look. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ride this train for uh, as long as it takes me. You wear it well. You wear it well. So... <laughs> One individual that finally got back into the lineup for the New York Islanders was Ryan Pollock. He did not factor into the stat sheet in either game. He was actually a minus one in both. Played around 15, I believe, 15 to 17 minutes, if, I'm, if I remember right, in both games. But looks like it might be a little bit of a, a slow go for him coming back. I mean, he was out for such a long time in an unexpected amount of time. You think uh, he's a guy who just needs a little bit more of that to, to get into a groove to help this team? Because I think... With the way they have been playing, with the way they've been losing to, to some of the better teams, I think you know the fan base and, and obviously the team were hoping that he gets back in and it gives them a little bit of a boost, and then you see that stinker against Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be an ease Ryan Pulak situation as he goes sort of scenario here. Um, 
you know, he was supposed to be out four to six weeks and, you know, he was gone for 11 basically. Um, so that's a long time and it's, it's, that's a lot of time to kind of make up and then you have to acclimate yourself to the speed of the NHL again. So you'll see why he's not on the first unit alongside Adam Pellick and, uh, you know, he might not see as much time on the power play, but his presence is vital. And I don't know how much longer we can be talking about, well, the Islanders' chances for the 2021-22 season hinge on him because uh, I don't know what their chances are, how slim they are. Um, but if there is any hope left, I think a lot of it is to be placed on his shoulders because... I think offensive production from the blue line is is so imperative for this team, and uh, you kind of saw it in uh, in the game before against Ottawa, yeah. where a defenseman had like five points that night. Pulak himself had four shots on net. Um, we we know that the Islanders just don't have enough up front. Um, you know they can talk about a four line game all they want, they just don't have the scoring power. So any sort of production that they can get from the defense is going to be a plus for them. Um, so they need Ryan Pulak. Uh, I don't know how much of Ryan Pulak they're going to be able to get in the next two or three weeks. Um, and then all of a sudden you're talking about March and then, uh, all the clock is really ticking then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of putting a lot of stress on him right now and that might not be the most fair, but. You know, desperate times call for desperate situations. Yeah, and I find it interesting that you think that they split Pelic and Pulik up more because they were trying to ease Pulik back into the lineup. Do you think that also may be a product of the fact that they decided that Salah was the odd man out and, and maybe they just didn't want to end up in a situation where they would have a Green and a Chara and or a Mayfield kind of paired together to maybe spread the the foot speed around the lineup because if you if you put Pelican and Pulik together right off the bat there, you kind of wedge yourself into that situation. Maybe that's something they were looking at as well? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point in terms of kind of spreading the wealth. Um, I think the option to put Robin Sallow on the taxi squad kind of suggests that he won't be out of the equation completely. I think that you could see Sallow slot in on nights for one of the older defensemen named Chara or Green. You don't know. Um but, I mean, that's certainly a, uh, a, a really good point to consider. Um, and, again, I think uh, more to that point, the patchwork defense that the Islanders had rolled with all season, I think that a lot of people have been saying that, oh, well, this isn't the uh, you know, Islanders defense that we've known for the past three years. This is still the fifth best defense in the league in terms of goals allowed per game. Um, and, and that says something, at least, on – the structure here in the system that they were able to do that, you know, over an 11 week span without their best defenseman or arguably their best defenseman. Mm. Um, and then you're rolling out a 38 year old and a 44 year old and two unproven minor leaguers and Salo and Ajo. So, um, yeah, no, that, that, that is a good point. And, um, you know, you can certainly make a case of, you know, spreading the wealth and, and letting Ryan Kulak's skill kind of bring up those around him. Talking with Joe Pantorno here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Thai Technology. And Joe, coming out of this all-star break, the Islanders are one of the teams that don't have the, the luxury of getting a little bit extra time. I know the Rangers, I think, have an entirely extra week off 
Well, the yeah. Islanders will go right back to work starting on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, of this week. Uh, they play Vancouver, or is it Wednesday? They go back sooner than that, my friend. What I mean, it's a good thing we covered this now. Wednesday. Because, because I mean, Wednesday. the... the, the <laughs> the the uh, what's on tap segment would have been a complete disaster. No, I had this I had the schedule up. The tab wasn't open, but I I assumed it was Friday because it just seems ridiculous to have them go back two days after three days after the they all got games break, to but, make up. But uh, that they do, Joe. What do you what do you expect out of the Islanders out of this All Star break? And and is there a response to sort of those comments from Barry Trotz and sort of the lackluster effort that we saw against Seattle? Yeah, I think the first two games are going to kind of tell the whole story. Um, if the Islanders come out and they're sort of lifeless and they replicate anything close to Thursday's game against Seattle, you can, you can wrap this season up. Uh, you can start looking forward to 22, 23, see what assets you can trade away. Um, well, that's good I, for the I, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but if they can kind of come out with a renewed exuberance, which I, I, I'm not really sure. Um, it shouldn't be that far of a concept considering the amount of rest that this team has had. And now that they're basically at full strength for the most part, um, you know, you could at least hope that they can get on a run here where they win, you know, they win 10 out of 12. And, uh, you know, this, this thing isn't dead yet, but um, it's, it's, it's a tall order. And uh, again, it really comes down to if this team can score or not. So, uh, you know, look for the magic number to be three and, and see if they can get back to that formula that's been working for so long. Yeah, it's it's a shame that at, at this point in the season, right, the best they can do right now is postpone death, right? <laughs> like, even if they have a good, even if they have a good February coming out of this break, there's still no guarantees that, you know, March, April, May are going to bring them where they need to be. But I wanted to discuss lineup decisions with with the coaching staff. It's it's kind of been a it's always been a narrative with this team, youth versus the the older guys in the team. But it seems like it's it's had a little been a little bit more of a focal point this season when you look at guys like Wallstrom and Bellows up there with the forwards and Josh Bailey and Kyle Palmieri now that he's back. And I and I kind of wanted to focus in on that. You have Kiefer Bellows now who who's been out for the last four games. Kyle Palmieri gets back from injury and. Not to say he's not trying out there, but he's not putting up points. He's still taking some of the questionable penalties I think he was taking before he went down. So I wanted to, to see your opinion on, on the Islanders' handling of these guys. And obviously, Wallstrom's name has come up with this uh, previously, but he seems to be back in Barry's good graces. But you look at Kyle Palmieri in there not doing much and, and Kiefer Bellows, who was actually playing fairly well before he got a seat. What do you think of all that, and, and, and what's the answer for Barry Trotz and how to handle this properly? I don't blame fans for thinking that there's a certain amount of politics that go into this. Um, there is, you know, of course, <laughs> yeah, there uh, is. You're, you're not gonna you're not gonna bench a guy who is, you know, on, on the top of your uh, your salary cap sheet. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, Josh Bailey, uh, you know, these guys are making significant money. Uh, they're not just going to be benched. These are integral veterans that have roles to play whether you see them on the ice or you see them elsewhere. And there's really no way that they're going to be put up in the press box if they're healthy. That, you know, isn't what people want to hear because, in general, Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows have been better than the likes of Josh Bailey and Kyle Palmieri this season. Uh, 
you, you don't need to be some kind of expert, as my Alexa now is saying something about Josh Bailey, because I just said something about that. The CIA listening. Um, <laughs> you can bring her in on the conversation. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Uh, I'm sure Alexa <laughs> hates Josh Bailey as well. Actually, for Christian, you can you can ask her when the next Islander game is. There you go. <laughs> wow. There you go. Um, no, but it's 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 understandably frustrating. And again, I think if the season is considered dead at some point, you would like to see Barry Trotz just sort of throw all caution to the wind and say, you know what, I am going to give a couple of these veterans a night off, and I am going to go with the kids, and we're going to see what can happen. Um, of course, I, again, a lot of people are going to say that they hope it doesn't get to that point and it should be happening sooner, but money talks, and this is a team that doesn't have a lot of cap space as it is, so they want to make sure that they're kind of rolling with the guys that have gotten them in this situation, both in the standings over the last few years and their current standing on, uh, in the salary cap. Talking with Joe Pantorno from AM New York here on the line, brought to you by. Why did you? Why did you give me that look? Kind of looked like you forgot where he was calling from. No, I, I know where. I know where saying, he works. I, mean, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, you guys work pretty closely together, so I hope so. Yeah, no, I know he works for AM New York. It's not okay. Not like I forgot. Uh, okay. Here on the line, brought to you by our friends at Thai Technology. Always thank them. Big shout out to Thai Technology today. Got the shirt on. Well done. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, it's, I always have some sponsored gear on. I am a, I am a, a big fan of free stuff. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, Joe, I am curious now. You know, we're looking ahead a little bit here. The trade deadline is as close, as far as it seems it is. It's not that far anymore for the NHL, for the New York Islanders. And, obviously, with their current situation, it's, it's a little bit unclear of what they are or what they're going to be at that point in the year. When you look at the Islanders in the trade deadline at this point, Joe, are you looking at them to be a, a buyer, a seller, or is this sort of a – kind of a hybrid version of the two where the Islanders are just trying to keep, kind of keep themselves afloat at this point and maybe they do nothing. Uh, I, I would say that it, it should be a hybrid version of the two hmm. where you should say roughly 50 to 60% of your forwards should be for sale. Um, your One of your goaltenders should be for sale. See what you can get back, whether that's draft capital, whether that's some form of upgrade on a, you know, in a, on a wing spot. At this point, it doesn't hurt to look. There's, there's literally nothing that the Islanders could lose right now in terms of offense that would further hurt them. You, <laughs> you can't get much worse than where they are. Uh, Hard to argue. The numbers don't lie. Yeah, that, what, it's, it's 30th in the league, 2.3 goals per game. That's just I'm, what what could be done in terms of taking away from the roster right now that could further hurt the offense. Other and and people come in and say, you know, trading Wallstrom and Barzal. Obviously, they are untouchables on the roster, <laughs> uh, and they rhyme with yeah, Barzal and Wallstrom and even even Pajot. We obviously again this, but. I'm not going too far into that. Um, but that being said, uh, the phone line should be open. Um, there's really nothing that uh, should keep Lamarillo away from the market. Um, we all knew going into the season that the window for this team's contention was going to be small. Obviously, we didn't know that it was going to be this small. Uh, so this is a team that needs significant overhauling um, if it wants to sustain its long-term success. And 
This and, and the trade deadline is their first opportunity to do so. And Lamorello needs to get this right. He does. Um, and so that means at least making one kind of significant move, even if that's just to send a message to the rest of the team, you, you got to do it. You have to find a way to light a fire under this team. Joe, I agree with you. I think, and I, I said this on the show previously, I think as far as the deadline goes for this team, they're going to remain neutral until they really have an idea where they're at. And, I, yeah. and, and, you know, to be realistic, I think it's either whether they still have a chance or they're out, right? And exactly. I think if they still have a chance, they're not buying. I think that they're going to just roll with what they got because it's, it's such a volatile, I guess, situation where, like, even if they, quote-unquote, have a chance, it's going to be a slim one. So can this team afford to give up assets to, you know, go for a run? I don't think so. So I think they're either, and this is just my opinion, I think they're either neutral or they're sellers once they discover that they're out. And with that in mind, do you think Semyon Varlamov will be a New York Islander by the time the trade deadline comes and goes? Um, Putting on the spot here. I, I <laughs> I don't want to take the the cop out and say it depends, um, but the good thing about it certainly does. It certainly does depend. Yeah, um, you know the, the good thing about this is the Islanders have you know there's more than enough time between now and the trade deadline for the Islanders to know where they're going to be. Trade deadline's March 21st, so we're still seven weeks out or so. Um, that's a lot of games that they're going to be playing, and they're going to know for certain by then where they are um, if they're in it. He's not going anywhere. Agreed. The more likely scenario that they're not in it, there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of interest from teams that need to bolster their goaltending. And regardless of his slow start, Semyon Varlamov is still a number one goalie in this league. Yes. One A. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the opportunity for the Islanders to capitalize on this and get a big deal, but you know, get at least a first round pick for him, sell high. Because there are going to be teams that are desperate, and go from there. Joe, I am curious. Uh, obviously, this is this is a big trade deadline. This is a big off season now for the Islanders, considering the uh, circumstances that will likely be there. I think we can kind of all agree that the playoffs are a long shot at this point, and the reality of the situation. Even if if they're even in the the brightest fans, you know, most hopeful fans' heart. It's hard to see them make the playoffs at this point. It's hard to see the season being beyond, going beyond you know the hope of kind of chasing a playoff dream at this point. When it comes to the offseason, when it comes when it comes to management, when it comes to the coaching staff, four years into this whole experiment that the Islanders have had going on with Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz at the helm, is it time for a change? And I think you've seen a lot more people ask that question with some sincerity now compared to a year ago, two years ago. Obviously, they're winning and going to conference final. But this year, you've seen a lot of noise. Obviously, we have one viewer and one commenter that, that asks about it every week. Um, and I'm, that's not me being, throwing shade at, at T-Boyle. It's just, it's just a fact. But I think you're seeing that more and more in that conversation being had more and more. Joe, where do you stand on sort of the perhaps it's time for Lou Lamarell <laughs> and Barry Trotz for changes at some level of the organization and – maybe try and shift things a little bit. I'm not there yet. Me neither, uh, Joe. I don't, I think that's, how dare you? This is a family show. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of silly. Uh, um, oh, 
uh, I, I think, again, you have to <clears throat> look at where this team was five, six years ago to where they are now. The Islanders are in a better place now than they were five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, it's it's been a bit, bit of the peak and valley situation where the peak is a little bit behind us, um, but they're kind of halfway down the mountain, and we're sort of approaching that uh, fork in the road that they can either go up or they can keep going down. Um, do you know? Do Islanders fans trust Lou Lamarillo enough to think that he can get them going back up? That remains to be seen. Has Lou Lamarillo done enough in terms of roster construction to suggest that he can do that? I'm not really sure about that. Uh, he's come up with some pretty big trade deadline deals. Um, you know, the Pajot deal is one thing. The Palmieri deal was something last year. This year, it's not really working out. Um, the acquisitions of Andy Green is good. The Dano Chara, not so much. It's a lot of hit and miss. Um, and he still hasn't been able to land the big fish. Um, and it's, it's been four years now. Um, so in terms of areas of needs, he has left plenty to be desired. So I think that there's more trust in trots than Lamarillo. And this is just me speculating from, a you know, from the fan bases standpoint. Um, but I think that. You know, you have a Hall of Famer and a future Hall of Famer leading your team. I think, uh, you know, you, you see what they can do. And if, if there is going to be a change at the top with Lamarillo, it's it's just going to be his, his stuff. So um, I, I wouldn't anticipate uh, a complete shift in dynamics here in the front office anyway. So, um it's, it's sort of steady as she goes. Um, they've kind of shown that they wanted to act like big spenders on the market. You know, they had their interest in Panarin, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, they've checked in on some other big names, apparently, whether it was Tarasenko or Chitrin, if you like to read the rumors. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, and that's the thing. I, I Talk about spe- mailing it in. <laughs> yeah. I, I just won't speculate about it, but uh, if, if they are in on those big names like they said they would, let's see what they can do in an offseason where, okay, the building's been open for a year. All right, we had a down year, but you saw us go to the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals for two straight years. Uh, we have a proven system. We don't give up a lot of goals. We have a franchise goaltender. We have an all-star center in, in Matthew Barzal. We have Peter Future Seattle crack at Matthew Barzal. Here we go. This guy. Here he goes. This guy, man. Such I, a heel. Violence. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, all things considered, I mean, again, the Islanders are in a better place than they were five, six years ago. Um, and I think that this is still the leadership group that's going to take them to that next step. I and I want to I want to clarify. I'm asking it not because I have – an opinion one way or the other on this, but because it is, it is a talking point, and I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Is it silly? Though? I, what I will say, though, what I will say, I mean, Lou Lamarall is eighty. It's not. It's not like he's a he's a spring chicken anymore. And I think there is some there is some fairness to be said for whether or not the Lou Lamarello style of hockey and system and, and, you know, kind of way he runs organizations, what is the genuine lifespan of that? I mean, I think that's a fair question, especially you look at the – I don't want to use the word regression, but you look at the way the season has gone, 
And my point has been even before you got to the point of where COVID was the problem, right? And that was going to be the excuse for the rest of the year for the season not going the way it was. It has, you know, it was supposed to. I, I think you've hit a point where, you know, you looked at the way the roster was constructed and there was some genuinely real concern about what was be able to be done and what wasn't able to be done. I think that's a fair question at this point. And as a team that is now expected to win, these are the kind of questions that are going to be asked and need to be answered. That's my, oh, that's all. That's the only point I was making. That's it. Is there a question in there? There wasn't a question. I was just clarifying. But Joe, I did. I get it. I get it. No, we, listen, we, we have seen all the conspiracy theories from every corner of the internet from a very passionate fan base. Um, so I understand why this question came up because I've seen it plenty of times myself too. I do want to end on a much, not, I mean, not lighter note, but a, a little less depressing note, and, and that is uh, that is the Nassau Coliseum. It is the 50th birthday, I guess you would call it, of the Nassau Coliseum. Next week on the 11th will be marked the uh, 50th anniversary of the building opening. Its first event at the Nassau Coliseum was a, was a New York Nets game against the Pittsburgh Condors, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Joe, I wanted to just ask you about the Coliseum Obviously, it's such a big part of, of Long Island. It's such a big part of the Islanders' history. You, you're obviously v- very well connected with a lot of the goings-on when it comes to this or these arena stuffs. I wanted to ask you what you kind of saw in the future of the Nassau Coliseum and if you've heard any rumblings of, of any particular um, you know changes that be, could be coming to, the, to a building that has such a, a special place to Islander fans' hearts. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> this... And, and it's always a very touchy subject. Um, you would like to think that the Coliseum can sort of carve out this niche where it can survive and still be a fixture on Long Island and, you know, live happily ever after without the Islanders and both entities can, you know, peacefully cohabitate and all that mumbo jumbo. Um, but there, uh, there really hasn't been much to write home about. Uh, with the Coliseum and, and you know they have the Riptide and they have their minor league team and and those aren't really big draws and any other big events are going to be poached by UBS Arena and you know they're the uh, they're number four on the list in terms of uh, New York metropolitan area indoor venues you know MSG and Barclays and UBS and and, and the Coliseum is way down um, it's, it is truly minor league. Um, I personally haven't really heard any rumblings. Um, I do think they need to make a major play uh, to get something else in there, see if you can get arena football back or something. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Try and get a minor league hockey team. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but the fact that you know the, your, your two main tenants aren't big draws as it is, and uh, there had been some, uh, I had to kind of do some research myself because I had some questions about the legitimacy of the arenas running uh, last month. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a little disappointing. Um, you know, again, I think a lot of us grew up there um, and you don't want to see it kind of fizzle out, which it looks like it's kind of in the process of doing because uh, it, it, it deserves more than that, I think. Um, but it's it's a big plot of land, and it's been, you know, 
underutilized and mismanaged by the town for decades now. And, um, you know, you'd like to see them come up with something good and, and make it, you know, a productive happening place for the community. Do, I don't know if I ever see that happening. Do people still use the phrase happening, Joe? Uh, probably not. My wife, Every now and then. My, my wife makes Every fun of me all the time for words <laughs> that I use and how I'm an old man, um, which... You know, I'll, I'll just I'll wear do the you, Do you have one in particular that you get ribbed for more <laughs> times? For sure, for sure. Um, I say hot dog sometimes when I'm in mixed company, and, <laughs> okay. I'm, and I'm like excited um, <laughs> instead of saying like "hell yeah" in front of my grandma or something. Like I'll bring it back to 1947, um, you know, for her. Or um, what have I been saying recently? Oh, I said uh, I said something. I was working on something in the house. It was giving me problems, and I finally figured it out. I said, "That's the ticket," and then that's that was, the ticket. That, that wow! Was, yeah, it was. I'm I'm not proud of it. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be ashamed either. Yeah, I'm, I, you you're know, being I, yourself, Joe. Exactly. I know I'm not current, and I don't know what <laughs> and hip and happening. So see, this all explains the mustache now. Yeah, because that's pretty retro. As well. Although I feel like a lot more people are doing. I've seen a lot more people you know, who do this who do the mustache. What's work. really been making a comeback um, among the the younger folks out there? The mullet. No, I have not. Yes, seen that. I have seen no. mullets abound. Where yes. are you hanging out? Just you know, in life, you know, you see like some high school age, early college age kids. Yeah, I've seen them at UBS Arena. I mean, I have seen dudes walking around that rink. With mullets. No, Big, puffy mullets. That's the time to do it. I mean, you're a kid. We all make <laughs> stupid decisions when we're children. Uh, <laughs> yes. We didn't really grow up in the, in, yes. the, uh, in the super duper age of social media where everything and every bad decision and every hairstyle was documented. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, so we could we could definitely do a separate podcast on all that stuff. Like, you know, why why did the people of my generation decide to wear jeans thirteen so- times the size of you know the, the part like the, those Jenko jeans? I used to wear them all the time. They were they were they were like parachute, and they were gigantic. They were ridiculous. But Joe, this is not a fashion show. However, it's always a pleasure having you on. We want to thank you for your extra time talking about your random sayings. All good stuff. Thanks so much, and thanks for hanging late for us as well. So enjoy the rest of your night. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you down the road, all right? Pleasure was all mine. Thank you, fellas. Thanks a lot, Joe. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was the great Joe Pantorno from AM New York. Always a treat. We always get some nice little extra tidbits from from Joe. Yeah, we always do. Yeah, whether Whether we want them or not. His his, his wife's (laughs) cooking and... Treats no, and all bacon, that. Baking. Baking, yes. yes. If I remember, she doesn't cook, but she bakes. Okay. That's, it's something. Yeah. That's no, something. no. It was, it was, I mean, it was just a clarification. Right. Right. So great stuff from Joe. And I, I wanted to briefly focus on that, that trade deadline talk that we had a little bit. And he, you know, he, he was talking about they should maybe a little hybrid, maybe do a little bit of buying. Now, granted, I agree with him that they do need to add to this team. He pointed out very succinctly that they – they don't score, and that's something right. they need to do. Yeah, but I think in the situation they're in, to be a buyer, even looking towards the future, the deadline usually carries such a high price. Right, and I feel like, why do you? I'm trying. Are to you move, okay? I'm trying to move. So, 
Trying to move the chair. He's, he's very subtly trying to shift himself. It's not subtle. Yeah, you're doing a great job. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if 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 buying for the future is is yeah. the way you go at the deadline. It, look, if the right deal no. comes along and it's not cost prohibitive, but most deadline deals are cost prohibitive. Usually, you're giving something big up to add to a run. Now, right now, the Islanders probably won't be adding to a run. So no. I, I would say wait till the summer before you make any big ads. The deadline is if the Islanders are moving anyone at the deadline, it is to free up space to, to, yeah, to re-engage some draft of the draft capital, picks that like they said. draft mm-hmm. picks that they 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 had to give yep. away to make some of the maneuvers that they made mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. That's kind of the moves that they would they would be making at the trade deadline. Um, you're talking about about the value of certain guys. It's going to be draft picks, and maybe you're going to get a prospect or two. Um, there's no one on the Islanders roster that you look and go, yeah, the Islanders are going to get a lot for him, and they're going to get a draft pick, and they're going to get a young prospect. You know what I mean? Like, there's no one on the roster that, that jumps out like that. You know, Josh Bailey. If I'd you, be curious what Anthony, not to say I'm looking to trade him, but I'd be curious what Anthony Bavillier could get on the market. I don't know if it's as much as people would hope for. I mean, the way he's playing right now, sure, in recency bias, he'd be like, yeah, not so much. But he still has a is a guy who, who has some promise where he can become a, a contributing top six forward, and he's shown that. And he's shown that he can perform in the playoffs. Right. And, again, that's the sort of player that people are going to be looking for at the deadline. Again, not advocating for getting rid of Anthony Bavillier, but as far as forwards with any value, I mean, he's probably towards the top of that list, I would say. With value, yes, I still don't think it's going to be as much as people are, are going to like. You know, when you're trading away an Anthony mm-hmm. Beauvillier, I don't think the value you're going to get back is going to make. I don't think it's going to blow anyone's socks off if if that's you know kind of the gauge we want to go there. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I mean, I kind of have that that same feeling with with Varlamov too. I just think when it comes to what people expect to get and what what the reality of the situation is, you look at the last couple of years worth of trades. Mm-hmm. You know, even for a guy like. Uh, I can't even. I'm pl- drawing a blank. I was going to say like a guy like Pajot, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, the Islanders didn't. They gave up draft picks, and I think that's the reality of the situation. Is that's what teams are going to have to give up, and I don't think a Beauvillier per se carries the same weight that you may have seen with a Pajot or someone like that. I I just think that sure, sure. It, it's it's going to be it's. Anyone that's moved the deadline is probably going to not is is uh, people are going to be disappointed with the whole. I don't right. even think Bavilia gets moved. Even if they right. sell, I don't think Bavilia gets moved at the deadline. I, I think Varlamov is certainly the first guy to go. If if they find themselves, we're out. We're not going to have a chance. I think he will be, and, and I think that he would get a good return, a amazing return. No, but I think they would get something substantial for. You know, you look at a team that's looking to shore up their goaltending, a team that's going to have a, a legitimate shot at a Stanley Cup, and, and I think you can get a haul for, for Varlamov. If a huge haul? No. But I think you can get something where you're like, okay, that's that's a nice return. Now, whether that's... You might be able to squeak out a first-round draft pick for Semyon Varlamov. You might. Uh, are you going to get a, a, a first-rounder and a, and a solid prospect and a third? No, you're not. <laughs> you know, I, you probably aren't going to get something like that. Are you going to get a 23, 24-year-old kid that can shoot? Probably not. That would be nice, but you know, I think I think the return on Varlamov would actually be pretty decent, and that's their that's their best and biggest trade chip. And then obviously you worry about who's backing up uh, Sorokin down the road. I mean, or Schneider, I guess, or, or um, I mean, at least for the, the rest the, of the season, it really doesn't. Skarik? matter. Ska- no, he, yeah, he's he's having a, a good run right now in Bridgeport, but I don't think he's ready. I think you let him continue to develop down there. 
But again, I don't think that's a, a huge priority from trade deadline on to the end of the season. You, you, whether it's Schneider, you bring somebody else in right. just to just to back him up. Because at the end of the day, you already know the season's lost. Like it's not a huge deal. Like you're not like, oh my god, who's going to be the backup? How are we going to coast the rest of this right, season right, in right, a right, losing right. effort? Like it's not a big deal. You, you, you're like you the days of Joe McDonald and Jan Denis. Those are great days. <laughs> Dwayne, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne say, Rawlson, Dwayne, Marty Baron. I was about to say Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. The Rock was never a goaltender for the New York I don't. Th- I don't think so, no. But, yeah, what a carousel of goaltenders they had back then. Dwayne it was Rawlson, like 14 yeah. goalies within like a span of three years. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> look, uh, again, we're, we're, not, we're not there yet whether, whether Semyon Varlamov is going to be a guy on the table yet or not. But, you know, again, it, look, I think Joe was right on the money here. If they don't come out of this, 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 the rest of this month, this Western swing, whether it's you know, up in Canada or over in California, mm-hmm. it's done. That's it. It's it's a matter of they got to have a successful run in, in both locations, and then again, they all they do is stave off elimination. Elimination. Yeah. They stave off that death, and it makes Lou's job a little harder because he can't make more distinct decisions because they're like, well, we still got a chance if we go on a run here. I should probably keep the guys together. So. You know, if you're if you're a fan right now who's like, look, even if they find a way to battle back and, and, and get into the mix, and if you think that they're not going much anywhere anyway, then you're probably of the mindset like, look, just cut your losses, make some deals, get what you can, right? right. And, you know, I'm still, I, and I guess it's just because, you know, I want to just be able to see some competitive hockey out of the Islanders and see what they can do. Because like I've said before, if they get in, anything can happen. Because that means they were playing well enough, right. right? I mean, if they get in, that means they figured it out. Yeah, they'll win a cup if they get in. Why not? No, no, I'm, I'm like choking, but I'm not. Like, if they manage to dig themselves out of this hole, they're going to win this game. What a cup. tear they would have to go yeah. on to do it. And I, I look, I don't think <laughs> they're going to do it. Look at the Seattle game, and, you know, you have a, a little less hope now coming out of it. You get those two wins in a row, you beat the teams you're supposed to, you get an all-star right. break, and then maybe they do a little bonding out west, and they rattle off a couple wins, and you're like, hey, maybe this can happen, and maybe that still can happen. But, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking, Lou, wait and see, see what happens. As long as they have some sort of life left, you wait it out, and as Lou likes to use time, he will. Right. And he'll come down to that last minute, and, and he'll probably then make... Then they'll get uh, Connor McDavid, I'm sure. Right. Well, uh, you know, I mean, that guy's having a lot of struggles up there. But they brought him in Evander Kane. He's scoring goals. They winning games now? I haven't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Edmonton's doing over there. But we'll find out Bringing soon. Bringing in character people. <laughs> right. But anyway, I, I think you, you kind of hold the line right now as far as dealing anybody. You, yeah. you, get, you get as close to the deadline as you can. But it's just, unfortunately, like we're in a spot where... The, the 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 light of hope gets gets dimmer with each with each passing show here. That it does. So that it does. Which we're still kind of in in wait and see mode, you know. And then, and look, I I usually rattle off the the standings at the beginning of the show, but the bottom line is they're still seventeen points out with yep. one less game in hand. Now. Yep. They have four games in hand on Boston. They're still seventeen out. So the hill is the hill is tough to climb. But you know what? The train rolls on, and they st- it's just crazy to me. They still have over half a season to go. That is wild. Right? That I mean, is wild. You can dig yourself a big enough hole. If you get things together, you can dig yourself out of it. They're just not doing enough to inspire confidence in that. That's the problem. They can't score. And then that's really what it comes down to. And, and Joe, I mean, made a great point, too, when pointing out, despite the fact that the Islanders' defense has not played well, they're still one of the better defenses in the league, which is kind of surprising. 
I mean, they're still finding ways to to keep pucks out of the net. The now, problem is that they're give, when they give up one or two goals. It's the same. You know, Barry said it in, in years past. When you give up one or two goals and you don't score a goal, like you can't score yourself. That's where the issue lies. Well, here's the, look. They're still preventing goals. The issue is, as Joe pretty much said, is that they're not they're not developing goals. Yeah, that's what I just said. Right, but that's the thing. Like they they they. I mean, they're hugely missing guys like Letty and Taves. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying it all season, but a- every week that goes by, it just becomes more and more apparent yeah. that the D- Zdeno Char replacing Nick Letty has been has made a huge, huge difference on this team. Having Pollock out, obviously, for as long as he's he's been out, has been an issue as well. Would they have maybe a couple more wins if he had been healthy? Sure. Why not? Maybe maybe a couple of those games where they, they might not have given up the extra goal here or there. They might right. have... You know, took it to overtime, took it to a shootout, got another point or two here or there, sure. But even before Pollock went down, they were still struggling from that standpoint, having a puck yeah. over, having a guy that can bring the puck up. So, I mean, that's still a huge priority for this team. And and and, and again, I, I would say with the utmost confidence that Zdeno Chara was not plan A. After I was not plan Letty B or was, C. Agreed, yeah. agreed. I, think, sh- I mean, we've said that from the onset. Yes, we are, yes. Like, we fully acknowledge that Zdeno Chara is, was a great story coming into this, right? The problem was everyone knew it wasn't the Islanders' preferred situation. It was the, mm-hmm. it was the, why, you know, it was the, it was the Plan X. Like the, <laughs> like I think Lou went through like a ton of different scenarios. He might have, yeah. I was like, all right, that's not gonna work. But all right, that's like, all right, all right. Zidane's still hanging around. Does he want to play one more season? Indeed. Well, we should probably get to what's on tap. What do you say, CA? I say let's do it. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. It is time for What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. Christian, are you ready for What's on Tap? Yes, hockey games. Hockey games are on tap, specifically games on Wednesday. That's what we want to know. Uh, against nice. the Vancouver. I was getting there. I was getting there. Uh, against the Vancouver Canucks, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that'll be a late one, which is always the worst. That's right. West Coast get your cup of coffee yeah. out. <laughs> get a cup of coffee, mix it with with some booze, and enjoy the game because it, it might be a rough one. <laughs> wow, <laughs> really? You're, you're you're not giving them much much of a chance against the Canucks? I mean, did you see what happened against the Kraken, buddy? You just you forget about it. You leave that one behind. You move on to the next one, right? Right. Sure. Goldfish. <laughs> Goldfish. <laughs> um, so a, a late night game, obviously, against this, the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. That Again, a game, we've, these are the types of games we talked about in the past. They got to win this. You know, they, this is going to be. <laughs> they have to win all their games. They have to win all these games. But all this is the games that they're supposed to win. Um, they have Edmonton coming up on the 11th on Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So another late one. But everyone will probably be out at the bars at that point enjoying a, a nice Oyster Bay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Barn Rocker. Yeah. I was trying to think of another beer. I couldn't think of the pumpkin ale. Cool, man. You want to keep going or you want to you want to move on to the next? That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> the IPA. My IPA. American Lager. Yeah. Okay. I like the American Lager. That's a good one. It is a good one. Uh, they have Calgary on Saturday at 10 p.m. to complete the West Coast or take out take out part of the Canadian trip that they had scheduled or, you know, earlier in the season. So this is the makeup game for that one. And this is a little further ahead, but you get, get a game against Buffalo, too, next week. To, uh, which is exciting. Everyone always loves a game in Buffalo. 
Well, you know, the temperature up there is going to be great. So I mean, the temperature in, in Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary, I'm sure it's, it's like bring, going to Miami Beach. Bring your winter coats because it's going to be frigid in February in those towns. Yes. And speaking, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking of the Friday game against the Edmonton Oilers. So there's another sport that's having their championship game next weekend on Sunday. And it's apparently a big deal in, in this country. And I think a lot of us are going to be watching that game. Whether The we, Super Bowl. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Whether we're interested in it or not, now I am I think, firmly. I think legally if you say the other terms that have been trademarked, we could get sued. So Is that right? You say? I, I don't, don't know. know. I'm the just the big game? Yeah, yeah. That's, they always say that in the commercials. That's trademarked. The big game yeah, is coming. Yeah, that's trademarked. Well, I just said it twice. Oh, so we're, we're going to get sued now. Right. But I am all aboard the Bengals train, man. All aboard. Yeah. I couldn't name Joe one player on the team. Oh, okay. Now I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the quarterback, right? He's the quarterback. Very right. good, Shawnee. Very so, good. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard. Let's go Bengals, man. You know what I look forward to? What's that? Uh, the usual tweets from people that uh, complain about how the owners are handed the the Lombardi Trophy first after the the Super Bowl. I think that's lame. And then where? And then I'm told ten million times over and over again how the Stanley Cup is so much better than Lamb- the Lombardi Trophy. Well, I mean, there's still facts, even if it happens every year. There's still facts. You just don't like being reminded of them. I, Sorry, bud. You can shut Twitter off for the day. I just enjoy. I, I just enjoy when when when. I'm not even gonna say it, but you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Do you? Now, now, granted, I, I mean, I see your tweets every now and then covering the Nets. It's, it's tough. It's a tough look. But do you still do like you know fourth quarter underway stuff like that? No. Oh no, no you're not no. doing that with basketball. It's a, no, it's a much different. Uh, it's, it's tough to tweet every scoring play when it's 120 to like 99. Mm, okay, so interesting. It's a much different approach to Twitter. Ah, okay, all right. It's a science. So it's anyway, a, it's a different animal. It's a different animal. That it is. So speaking again of the Friday night game against the Edmonton Oilers, we're going to be doing a pregame show prior to that game because the rest of the weekend is just going to be tough to 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 utilize, utilize, especially because of that Super Bowl game on Sunday. So it looks like pregame the, show one of the biggest events in this country. Yeah, whatever. The commercials, Probably, man. Yeah. The commercials are better than the game. I've actually I haven't seen a Super Bowl commercial in like three years. Oh, okay. Because I don't think you just they just take a nap. While no, because I don't on. think they air the same commercials on the stream as they do on the cable broadcast. Oh, perhaps, um, perhaps. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know if that's one hundred percent accurate, but I know. Oh, the halftime show. Who's yeah. performing for the halftime show? I actually have no idea. I think it's like a big Halsey. Halsey? No, I mean, we can we can <laughs> look machine this up. gun Kelly. No, no, he just did the All Star. Yeah, game. <laughs> he did just do the All Star game. I don't know any of his songs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who is it. J Lo. <laughs> Lady Gaga, she did, she did it right. J-Lo J-Lo did it did last it like, year, two years ago. Did she? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why I brought it. And somebody in the chat's got to know who's doing the halftime show. Or Christian's going to bring it up on his laptop. Not that anybody here cares. Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and Dr. Dre. Wow. That's actually pretty fire. Okay. If you're into that genre of music, yes, it probably is. They're going old school. Yeah. Going old school. And I'm sure I'm sure it'll end up being like a ton of other people that'll make guest appearances and stuff like that. That is pretty cool. Yeah, like that Flea from cool. the Chili Peppers will come out and play bass <laughs> right, right. for one of the tracks or something like that. They always seem to do that. Dave Grohl will, you know, come show in up from, randomly. Yeah, he'll he'll like get, you know, dropped in from a jet and play some guitar or something like that. Okay. So once again, pregame show. Oh, Melanie had it too, but I I think she just threw it in there. Oh, so okay. you're fine. But anyway, yeah, pregame show Friday before the Edmonton Oilers game. And there is a possibility, and I know it's short notice, and it's it's just around the bend here, but we may 
set up shop at RJ Daniels to do this pregame show and basically run it as a New York Islanders slash USA versus Canada night because the States will be playing the Canadian national team in the Olympics. That starts at 1110, so they will cross over. 1110 at night? Correct. Oh, because it's it's technically tomorrow, like the following yeah, day. Yeah, it's the following China. day in China. Yeah, so that'll be an eleven ten puck drop. So if we're able to make it work, we'll be at RJ Daniels do the pregame show. We'll obviously do you know viewing part of the Islander game as the U.S. Canada game comes on. We'll throw that mm-hmm. in a couple of TVs, and then we'll let the the audio carry over from one to the other. Mm-hmm. But this is all. We're trying to put this together last minute. We'll keep you guys posted on social media. A work in progress like kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But we wanted to let you know it's a possibility in case you might want to join us. And, again, look at social media. We'll let you guys know. And if not, then it's just going to be a standard show from the studios. But either way, next episode, pregame Friday. show Friday before Islanders versus Connor McDavid's Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Yeah. That was What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. Yeah. So, the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, indeed. So, do you want to just swing it right into the hero? You want to take a little break, do the hero, or... Got What's, some more to say. I well, what, what else would I have to say? I think I said it all. Said it all. <laughs> I'm glad that you recognize that. I don't know if anybody really wants to hear you say anything else. I mean, yeah. we already talked about the Seattle game. I mean, look, Ottawa four one win. It was a good win, but you got points from the D. You did. <laughs> no, Adam Pellick had a nice goal. But you know what the problem is though? Every the only thing everyone remembers from last week is the is the, is the Seattle game. Makes sense. And I mean that's kind of it's the, you know, it is what it is, but but yeah, yeah I mean they played well against a team they were supposed to play well. I mean, yeah. They were, okay. Yeah. All right. So so then we'll 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 break for Yeah, I mean, look, Bars Barzell scored a goal, you know, their defense scored, which was good, and the and the Islanders got some offense going and maybe they could have saved a couple goals for the following night, split it two and two. <laughs> Right, so they would be right on average. Right, right, Two right. Two goals yeah. per game, still um, get a win. Yeah, maybe not. All right, well, folks, <laughs> I want to thank you all for tuning in here late night for Hockey Night New York here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. And, of course, on your favorite podcast providers. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for the hero of the week. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. 
Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear the correct song, that means it's time for Hero, the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is The Godfather, speaking of Blue Lamarillo. That features Cappy Ham, Genoa Salami, Pepperoni, Provolone, Lettuce and Tomato, Oil and Vinegar on a Hero. Get it for half off all week starting tomorrow, that is Monday, through next week, where we'll announce a brand new Half Off Hero. Stop on in, mention Hockey Night in New York. And get half off the Godfather. And a reminder it is only this offer is only valid at the Huntington location of Blue Line Deli. Yes, we will we will continue to bug Donnie Bagels <laughs> about extending that offer to the East Islip location. But for now, just Huntington. So Christian, with the pleasantries out of the way, who is your hero of the week? My uh, hero of the week. Of the week. Do a French thing? Right I there? did, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, my hero of the week is none other than NHL All Star Adam Pellick. Not only did he have a goal in the Islanders' four-one win over the Ottawa Senators, but he nice also had the second hardest shot in the hardest shot skills competition at one hundred two point two miles per hour, pretty fast. which is pretty fast and pretty yeah. hard. Uh, so congratulations to him, and I'm sure he enjoyed himself during the course of All-Star Weekend out there in Vegas. Picked it was a, Vegas, baby. Yeah, picked a great... <laughs> if he didn't have a good time, there's a problem with Adam Pellick. Picked a, uh, picked a great All-Star game to get selected to, because that is pretty cool to be out there in, in Vegas. And ironically enough, also the same location as the NFL Pro Bowl on is that right? Sunday. Yeah, which, I didn't know I mean, that. No one cares about the Pro Bowl, but it was also there. I mean, to think I could care any less about a football contest, uh, Pro Bowl would be the one. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's even football fans don't care about that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, that, that stadium, from what I saw, the pictures where that building was pretty empty. Yeah, for the Pro Bowl, which is kind of silly. But a great, but a great effort from Adam Pelk, and I'm sure he had a blast out there in Vegas, kind of get, being able to enjoy his time at the rink and take his mind away from some of the unpleasantries here on the <laughs> island with the current state of his organization. At the organization, like it's in shambles. <laughs> it's all falling apart. It's all fall. It's all he coming also, apart. He had I'm a pretty nice... sure UBS Arena is just going to crumble at one point on its own. I mean, look, if they um, took another five, ten games to win over there, yeah, I mean, shut the place down because obviously it was uh, it was haunted. But they finally started <laughs> winning there. But he also had a nice uh, sauce pass in the uh, final game with uh, to Jack Hughes for a goal. Oh, nice in little, the, in the nice actual, little backhand sauce. Did you did you watch the you watch the All Star game or no? I had it on the television. I'll put it that way. Okay, I had it on the television and I watched a good portion of it, but not all of it. Gotcha. So yeah, I I was more in tune to the skills competition, which I said on the show leading up yeah. to it. I said I was more interested in that. Did you catch it? 
The All-Star game? The Well, both. I have not watched an NHL All-Star game in about 10 years. What about the skills competition? I have not watched So you game. didn't see the new contest making 21 on the, the big... The blackjack thing? Big yeah. cardboard no. and, and taking I'm, saw shots on, uh, again, on the Bellagio like, pool. Right, right, right. Waterfall. Right. I, I mean, listen, I think the skills competition is, is probably a great thing to be at, and I'm sure it's a lot of fun. It's just not one of the things where... And even the All-Star game, it just it has no... There's no desire in me to watch that. Um, you know, I watch regular season hockey because you care about the games. And um, when I was covering the sport, obviously, the All-Star game, you know, it's a nice weekend where you don't actually have to pay attention to hockey for, for two days and kind of just enjoy your weekend. That I, I'm sure if I you guess were there, coming from a guy who's been covering the sport for a long time, <laughs> I guess you would say that. There's, sure. there's something nice about just being like, you know, I don't have to watch this today, and, and, and it's okay, and, and the world won't end, and... Something won't happen unless someone gets hurt. So you were able to work on your bottle cap collection this week. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Good for you. That's great. Well, I guess I should reveal my hero, so I'll do that now. And my hero with two assists, two nice assists against the Ottawa Senators was Mr. Scott Mayfield. Oh, wow. An all D, actually defensive pairing right here. Scotty wow. Mayfield and Adam Pellick get the heroes of the week. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see Scotty's face too often on the Hero of the Week here, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli Half Price Hero. So I figured give him his due here. Yeah. Two assists and a win. The only win they had. Nice. No, no, it's a good pick. I'm always a big, uh, big proponent of, of giving the defensemen their, their due credit. Yeah, you know my you know my spiel. I don't want to. I go. do, I, was, I do. You've shared it with yes, us before. So I won't go. That's into when it. everybody's eyes kind of glaze over and they wait for you to finish. I'm pretty sure that's whenever I talk. You said it, not me, man. <laughs> your words, not mine. So there you have it, folks. There are your heroes of the week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which is the Godfather with Cappy Ham, Genoa Salami, Pepperoni, Provolone, Lettuce and Tomato, Oil and Vinegar on a Hero. And every time we do the Godfather, I hope that I pronounce Genoa correctly. Like, is that is that the right way to say Genoa Salami? Because I don't know. You think after the first time we did this, you'd look it up or oh. ask Donnie. <laughs> ask Donnie, look it up. Maybe ask Doc Emmerich because he knows how to pronounce things. Yeah. Pronunciate things. Yeah. You can't even pronounce the word pronounce. You pronounce? Oh, T-Boil 13. Yes, Sean. I'm saying it right. So there you go. Uh, Thank goodness. Listen, I wasn't questioning it. You were questioning it. (laughs) You were questioning your own ability to say it, so I was just going to pile on. Well, as as you would. As as you would. But there was something I did want to talk about after you say that. Please proceed. Well, I was going to say, I see you're wearing the fisherman shirt. Yeah, let's and I, get into it. And I, I, I mean, I'm sure like everyone who's, who's listening at home and watching on the stream and who will <laughs> watch, which, listen back to this later on Spotify or Apple yes. iTunes, Google Play, any of the other great As we enter the last providers. hour of the evening, yes. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say, though, is that uh, it seems to be there's murmurs. murmurs. I don't know how. Well, because I, I, like, I've seen the source. I don't know how legitimate the source is. But there are murmurs that perhaps the Islanders' third jersey down the line will be... Reverse retro, apparently. They're bringing the reverse retro back. Will be a fisherman-inspired design that brings back the the great fisherman logo from the (laughs) late 1990s. The great fisherman logo. Well said. And I'm sure... That'll get a very, very interesting reaction. I also, if it's true, I'm very surprised that Lou Lamorello would indulge in that in the first place. Because if you remember the first rendition of the reverse retros, like they end, listen, they end up being very nice. They end up being really great. They're just not. Um, Right, they're just not. Yeah, it's it's you know a throwback to the Islanders jerseys from early 2000s, late 90s, and like like 1999, 90s. 
Right. Um, and obviously the early 2000s, mm-hmm. but they ended up being great. But yeah, they weren't very creative or, or, or fun. You know, you saw a lot of other organizations. Just a nice jersey. Yeah. But nice you saw jersey. other organizations have a lot more fun with it. And, um, you know, it could have been better. And I think there was a, a, a segment of the fan base. I don't want to say large because mm-hmm. I don't want to offend people who, who hate the, who have such a burning hatred for the Fisherman it logo. It is burning. That uh, the mere mm-hmm. thought of it coming back brings hate and fills their vitriol. Vitriol uh, fills them with hate and vitriol. Yeah, yeah. It's it's we've we have had discussions about this on the show previously. Yeah. It just seems to come up every now and then. But yeah, now I believe I, I did a little looking into this, and I believe the source was a show up in Canada called Post to Post. I don't okay. think it originated anywhere else. If if I'm taking credit away from somebody who deserves it, I apologize. But when I looked, it looked like it was a show post to post up in Canada, and they are claiming that it's happening. That the fisherman jersey or a logo in some some capacity. Listen, I think that's great. Will be involved in the the next coming of the reverse retro uh, idea that the league had. I didn't even know they were going to come back to that. Right, neither did I. So, but they need the money. <laughs> Well, look, and again, we, we've talked about this before, and I've said as much, it's going to make this team money if they do it. And that's pretty much why they're in this business. Yeah, listen, I mean... Because I, we know how much the younger f- part of the fan base likes it, and even though, I don't know, I guess you'd consider me somewhere in the middle of that. I'm not part of the younger generation anymore. I'm more in the middle. But I, I still grew up with that jersey. I was in high school when they were awful wearing those jerseys, as I've probably said before. Right, but we all understand, right, the jerseys had nothing to do with their success or lack no, of success. No, it just piled on. on. And, and, but, and, but, and I do also want to call out the Islander fans, and again, I might have said this before, who are just a little too sensitive to the We Want Fish Sticks chant. Like, is it really, like, does it really hurt your feelings that much when Ranger, and look, it'll be funny now if it comes back, right, and the Ranger fans start. Right. Like, I would get a laugh out of that. Right, if if the Islanders go into into the Garden to play the Rangers and you hear a "We Want Fish Chicks" chant from the Ranger fans, I think that's fun. Now, you know, back then, yeah, maybe it hurt a little more. They were awful, and I get that. But like, I mean, is it really? Gonna- well, is it going to be fun? Is it going to be fun? I wanted to look at something real quick. Okay, um, but I'm going to continue saying this. But is it going to be fun when you have Ranger <laughs> fans at the at the UBS Arena on? April 21st, when they've punched their ticket to the postseason, <laughs> the Islanders have been out of it for the last four weeks at that point. <laughs> and they're chanting, we want fish sticks, when they have maybe 12,000 of the 18 or 17 plus a thousand available seats at UBS Arena. Is it still going to be funny then? Uh, it Look... I'm just, just giving you worst case scenario. I want to know when does it become me. funny or not funny. Like, it just doesn't bother me. You know, I mean, I'm more upset... That Islander fans can't chant 1940 anymore. That was a great one. That was a great one. And then they took that away because the New York Oilers won in, in 1994. <laughs> right. So, you know, that, that was crushed and, 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 and put to rest. But, but look, I think it's fun. I think, I think, you know, fan bases jabbing each other back and forth, you know, is, 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 it plays into it. And let's hope that the Islanders get their crap back together so yeah. that now – because, look, the Rangers, they're, they're a legitimate team now. They're yeah. going to the playoffs. So let's have them both have success, and they can have some back and forth with this. You know, it'll be a lot of fun. Now, the Islanders are going to have to get creative and come up with another chant. 1994? <laughs> That's actually a long... I know, it doesn't even, flow. But not only that, you flow. can't say it because of 1983. You have uh, to have yeah. the most recent cup win 
to use the year chant. The Islander fans can't chant 1994. They can't. All, all, they, all Islander fans now, as, unless I'm forgetting something, is the chicken dance. That's it. Right. I yeah. mean, which is I will say Mel, Mel Armenia making a great point. Ranger fans are still chanting pot fans sucks. They are <laughs> exactly the brightest. They just like doing it. No, no, but it's I just mean, fun. But they, I will say this. I will say this. I was, I was, the pod van sucks chant always kind of drove me crazy for, for a lot of different reasons, but I, I've come around to an, and I agree. Pot fan does suck. <laughs> Felix pot fan was terrible when he was with the New York Islanders. They're a hundred percent right. He was awful. <laughs> he was rough. He had a rough go when he was. So I don't think that's a, that's a wrong. Cause I'm assuming that's who they all think they're chanting about. And, and, and I've done it before. You hear a Ranger fan do pot fan sucks. Then you can respond. Actually, he was a pretty good player. You know? <laughs> <laughs> look at the stats. I actually, mean, when you look at it objectively, really good. he was pretty good. Right. Um, he was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that Felix Puffin guy, he kind of sucked. You're not wrong there. But yeah, I think all that stuff is fun. So, yeah, but it's part of the rivalry. And it's a, it's a great, like, it's what makes the New York Ranger, New York Islander rivalry so great. And so yeah. entertaining and fun is, is the, the back and forth that goes on between the fan bases during the games. Yeah, until it turns into fisticuffs halfway through the third period. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's also part of the fun, right? Like, <laughs> as long as you're watching and not involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're taking punches, well, then it's probably not uh, as fun. But yeah. no, I think the fishermen bringing back and reincorporating the fishermen into the Islanders' history and, and as a third jersey, I, I think, is a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is an acknowledgement of a, of, a, of, of a jersey that a lot of people do like, and I think we kind of need to move on sort of the silliness of... The, the the hatred for the the fisherman logo and well the, look the, as as you said there's a there's a portion of this fan base that just never will yeah, and that, and that's fine to each their own it, because it represents a miserable time for this franchise so I get it and you know if you can't disassociate the two okay fine and 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 or you just objectively think it's an ugly jersey that's fine too but yeah that's fair I just I just don't you know, if if you're up because it looks like Stan Fischler or reminds you of Gordon's fish sticks or the Rangers are going to chant, we want fish. I don't think that's a good re- for me. I don't think that's a good reason to to dislike the logo. If if again, if you associate it with the losing and stuff, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I get that. But yeah. you know what? I don't know if I get that because then because then you would hate the you would hate the retro jersey that the the retro reverse jersey that they had last year because that was also associated with losing. Oh, did they lose more games than they won with that jersey on? Yeah, right. I, I mean, that. I they had they started using that jersey. I know they wore it in the game that Barzell had that sick no, no, goal no. between his legs. I with meant Buffalo. For, I meant the original design from the nineties, right? They brought that in, if I remember correctly. No, they wore those jerseys. I uh, no, no. Here, let me. Hear, I, I know what you're going to say, but hear me mm-hmm. out. They were wore those jerseys and they started wearing. I want to say ninety eight, ninety nine. Those were that was a terrible season. If I'm if I'm ninety eight, ninety nine, I think so. Yeah, ninety nine, two thousand was bad too. Awful. Yeah. Terrible, terrible uh, time period for the organization. Uh, 2000 through 2004, they were good. It was resurgent. Eh, I look resurgent, at look yeah. as a fan. I look at those as positive years for this okay. team. Okay, and and I I associate those jerseys with those teams. So okay. I, I I'm don't just saying they they didn't have much more success in those jerseys either. Well, uh, success the uh, as we've said the bar for success for this team until very recently was very low. Yeah, and and you know what? I was going to say this earlier, and I'm and I'm going to reel this back into the to the fisherman discussion. But now that you now that you say that, I mean you have you have that discussion with Joe before about oh, is it time for Lou to consider moving on from Lou and Barry and stuff like that? The reason why that's even coming up now is because the bar 
has been raised. Yeah. Because they've They're, had two two successful seasons go, going to the conference finals. They're, they they hit a bit of regression there. And now all of a sudden we're talking about potentially moving on from the two guys that got you there. That's why I think it's crazy talk. But at least the bar has been raised. At least now the Islander fan base is in a position now where, where they can expect more success and where they can you know, try to get, you know, hope to get more out of the people running right. the show here. So I think that's a good thing. Back to back to the fisherman situation. Unless you had fisherman. something to say about it. <laughs> so, and I saw Tom T. Boyle in there say one since 40. There you go. That's a pretty good one. I mean, it, it, you got to figure out a chan if you want to go yeah. back in the We Want Fish. It's tough. But, like, if you ever get into a history discussion with Ranger fans, <laughs> same amount of cups in, what, half the amount of time in the league? Yeah. And they won their first three cups with six teams I was in the just, league? I was going to say that's There's not yeah. a lot to brag about for that franchise. Yeah. So always yeah. keep that in mind. Now, the, the Islanders are going to have to win a cup soon. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, look, they're, they're good. They had a dynasty, 83. Eh, a little far away now. We're hitting 40 years next year. Good God. Yeah. Crazy man, I will say, that's rough. I will say, going back to one of your points you made before and the importance of, of bringing back the rivalry with both teams now on the on, you know, the Rangers turning the corner and becoming a successful franchise again, mm-hmm. the Islanders trying to um, get back to where they were the last couple of years now. I, I think when you look at the success of the rivalry or the success of the Rangers in the mid 2000s from like 2011 12 to like their cup run against the Kings in, what was that, 2015, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the Devils-Rangers rivalry in the last 30 years or so, whatever you know, whatever it's been, that was probably the best it had ever been. Uh, and even maybe you could kind of extend that no, a little further, further buddy, back. Go back to 93. Yeah, well, that's a great example too. 93, 94. Yeah. If I remember, maybe not 93, no, 94, I mean, because then you have the conference final, Devils-Rangers. I mean, that came down to Matteau's big goal. I mean, that was huge. That was Brodeur coming into his own, and then they played each other the next year. Yeah. You know, that that's but that's the point. Like those were those are some of the most memorable moments in the Ranger Devil rivalry. Obviously, it's a little different because mm-hmm. because of the of the rivalry is a little different. But certainly, when those teams are great, it's great for the game and it's great for the sport in the area. So, it it I agree with you. It'd be great if we can get the Islanders and the Rangers to a point where they are meeting in the postseason consecutive years where they're. You know, these are their seven-game series going back and forth between Madison Square Garden and UBS Arena. We were this close in 2015. You know what? That would have been bad. To getting Islanders that Rangers. Bad. I don't know if I would have. For the Islanders? I don't know if you want that to be the, the way. The, let's, say the, let's say they go seven and the Islanders lose. Is that real? You want to go out losing to the, your biggest rival to close down what, what was then expected to be the end of the Nassau Coliseum's run? I... I I'm not I saying, wanted listen, that series. I'm not I, saying they would not have lost. Yeah, spend too much time with it, but I, I absolutely think the Islanders could have beat the Rangers in that next round if they had moved on from the Caps. And the only concerning thing is, is just the way they completely crapped the bed in Game Seven against Washington. So right. maybe in retrospect they could have. But leading up to it, I said, "Yeah, give me the Rangers. Give me them in the next round." See, I, I see. I thought about that for a while, and, and, and as great as it would have been for for the sport to see awesome. Islanders Rangers playoffs in the second round. I, if the Islanders lose that series, and and, it, and even worse, let's say it's a shorter series, I think that would have been a really tough pill for, for Islander fans to swallow for that to be the way the building closed. Well, but I it, mean... Because, again, you don't know what's... you didn't, they, No one knows what's transpiring over the next four or five years. They closed that. it gracefully in an right. overall losing effort against Tampa. The last game was a huge win, and everybody's going to remember that. Right. Now, if they had it done the same against the Rangers in that playoffs, I think you're okay with that. Big game six win against the Rangers to I mean, close out the building. I mean, that's essentially what they did, they, did, uh, they did against the Capitals. Right. 
Exactly. So exactly. So fisherman jersey. I say bring it on, man. Hell Let's see it to the end. bring. Bring it on. I want to, and and it'd be cool if they switched up the color scheme or something like that. I, I, like I don't think they're gonna just do right. the fisherman jersey now. Whether it, maybe they change the striping, mm-hmm. change the color scheme, or something like that. And again, this is under the assumption that this rumor is even true. Right. But I hope it is. I hope it is too. I hope it comes back for multiple reasons because I'd love to see it again. I'd love to see the chaos in the fan base. <laughs> That's fun for me. Sorry, <laughs> the Gordon's fish. And man. and look, it, it it's gonna be a heated discussion amongst fans if and when that announcement comes. And and I'm telling you, if they do it, they're gonna fly off the racks. 100%. They're going to fly off 100%. the racks. They sold out those sneakers. Remember? Oh yeah. And and look, they, it's I mean, all over the pro the sneakers, shop. But yeah, I know. It's all over the pro shop. It's all over the and people are buying it. It's a money. It would, from a business standpoint, the Islanders would be fools not to do it. Now, from a legacy standpoint, from a traditional standpoint, okay, I know some of you out there have an argument there. Why bring it back? Bad, bad era. Blah blah blah. But look, the, how many games did they even wear the reverse retro jersey? It wasn't a lot, it and it was like, just it was the like one eight season. or nine, not even. It had to, and, it might have been less than that. Actually. And they retired it after the one year. It's done. So this yeah. and and also. I believe it might have been Chris Botta on Twitter. If it wasn't, it might have been somebody else. But somebody did bring up the point that I believe next year is the 50-year anniversary of the team, right? It was Botta. I think he brought that up here on the show. Oh, maybe he did. Wow. So either way, if, if that's true, I mean, why wouldn't they do, you know, honor some of their past jerseys, even the controversial ones? Now, don't bring back the black one with the Islanders over the... That was just that was their worst jersey. Like the by weird, far. like that was almost, their worst jersey with the with the blue, yeah, gray, and orange. About, yeah. It made the blue look purple. Yeah. the way it contrasts. I mean, I mean, not sorry, not to insult whoever came up with that, but that was just an awful design. It was an awful jersey, terrible with the numbers underneath. Yeah, that was that was their worst. The fisherman, even if you, the fisherman wasn't their worst, it was that one. It was that one. So bring it back. Let's see. Oh, and in my little short research to, to, to see who the source was, yeah. they're also saying, now, they have, like, a YouTube show. Right. I didn't watch it, but on the <laughs> promo for it, it sh- I didn't watch it. I didn't watch that nonsense. But it showed that the Islanders were going to go to the Fisherman jersey, and then they had the, the uh, Canadians logo with an arrow towards the Expos logo. I mean, that'd be cool. How about if they did that? That'd be cool. The Habs wearing an Expos logo. I mean, that's kind of weird. Obviously, bring no, a baseball it's, it's logo well, into it because well, because they. I mean, the the Habs and the and the Expos have a very shared um, sort of tutelage, not tutelage, but a sort of, sort of shared history. I mean, the X the Habs adopted Yippee or whatever the hell that thing is called. Oh, the mascot, the mascot yes. from the Expos. Right. So I That'd mean, be it cool. would make sense. It'd be a nice homage to where where that that mascot came from. I don't know what it, I think it's called Yippee. And Mel Armenia says Carolina wears the Whalers logo. No, they do, and I they still do. don't like and it. I love it. I don't. I love it. I love the logo. I love the uniform. I don't like the Carolina uses I it. I love it. They should They should wear it all the time. They should wear it every time they go well, to Boston. Well, it is. Go to Boston and just wear <laughs> that every game. It's it's better than than their current threads. I It's a I better jersey and logo than I the disagree. Kane stuff. I actually, the ones they wear. It still amazes me Harford ever had a professional sports team. I mean, they did, pal. They did. If only the NHL went to bat for Hartford like they're going for Arizona right now. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. I think the world. I would love the Whalers. The world was okay with Bring Har- the Hartford back. leaving. I'm, I'm all the aboard Whalers them. going to somewhere else. No, I'm, I'm cool with the Whalers coming back. It's probably never Yuppie? Is it Yuppie? Yuppie. Yuppie? Yuppie. Probably Yuppie. Yuppie. I would say Yuppie. 
Would you rather the Fisherman logo or a Sparky logo? I mean, <laughs> give me either one. Mel, that's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows how much, if you follow me on Instagram, everyone knows how much I love Sparky. So it would probably be a Sparky logo. <laughs> so, all right. Another discussion on the uh, on the Fisherman logo. There it is. Take it for what it is. But uh, it's always going to be a point of controversy for this fan base. Make it happen. Do it. Let's see it all burn. Yes. Okay. So and then make Carolina wear the Whalers jersey no, every time they play. Completely the Bruins. disagree. Where every time nope. they play the Bruins. Nope. Nope. You. Nope. You know. I mean, it was obviously a bluff, but you know, the Patriots almost ended up in Hartford too in the nineties. I did not know that. Yeah, there's a story I read a couple of years ago. Uh, Sports Illustrated. Pretty, pretty there's a lot of money in Connecticut. It was. There's, there's a there population was. density. There was. You know? It mean, was, and then that's a big reason why they left. And I mean. Yeah. The XL Center is not necessarily the, the, the state of a state of the well, art. Certainly venue. isn't now. Um, do you remember when? You remember when the governor of Connecticut was trying to get the Islanders to play in, at the XL Center a couple yes. of years ago? Yes, I did. Misspelled John Ledecky's name in the open letter that they sent to John Ledecky. Yeah, it was a nice little PR stunt. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it was a, very transparent, but it was hilarious. Bring back the trashers. <laughs> Let's go the Danbury trashers. Yeah, yeah I'm assuming you saw the. Um, the uh, documentary on them uh, on uh, on Netflix, right? I did not. I know of it, and yeah. I might we might have talked about this before, but I played in their building. No, we didn't. So back when I was uh, at Hofstra and I was playing for the club team, we played a team from Connecticut. Now it might be like SCSU or something like that. We were playing oh, Southern Connecticut. Yeah, community. it might have been. Yeah. Like I know we played them. I just yeah. don't remember if that was their home rink or a different. But either way, I know we we did some like roadies over there, and we played like two teams from Connecticut, that sort of thing. Pretty but cool. one night. We played in the Danbury Trashers home arena, and that was when one of Wayne Gretzky's brothers was playing for the team. Right. It might have been Brent. I think it was Brent. I'm not 100% on that, but they were playing before our game. Like We were doing like a late game, and so we were actually just hanging out watching, and then you, you saw Gretzky on the back of the jerseys <laughs> and with those amazing trash can yep. logos with the hockey stick. So, yeah, I actually got to see the Danbury Trashers in the flesh. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I and who they had like apparently they were owned by like the mob or something like that. Yeah, that's what they the, talked about. One of the characters, Tony Soprano, is loosely based off of um, not the not the owner because basically the guy the guy bought the team for his son and his son just ran the team and the guy the kid was like I think in like high school or a freshman in college or something like that mm. some crazy thing but but yeah the father was basically the guy that the writers of the HBO series The Sopranos he was the guy that they kind of based Tony that? Soprano off of. Yeah, look at that. Wow, it is a great documentary. If you haven't seen it, definitely I gotta check it out. It. Check it. It's worth. It's not that long. I think it's like an hour and a half. It's it's okay. Great, really interesting. Okay. Um, get out some butterfinger bites. Maybe yeah. you know. I think okay. it's behind the story or something <laughs> like that. It's called, but it, it is really good. It's definitely worth uh, worth watching. All right, especially well, as a hockey fan. Are you ready for questions, Bruin? Yeah, Christian's ready. Hope you all are. Here we go. It is time for questions, Bruin. Brought to you by. Oyster Bay Brewing Company and their magnificent mango hard seltzer. Are you a hard seltzer guy? Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had, we've had a couple of claws we've had a together. Couple, yeah, we've had a couple of claws. But the seltzer, the seltzers in Oyster Bay do they're great. The mango is great. Big fan. Yeah. So there you go. The Oyster Bay Brewing Company mango seltzer. Christian, do you have questions this time? You, you kind of flubbed it a little bit last week. Oh, I refreshed my page because I was I would doing, consider that I flubbing was it. Doing. <laughs> Some, uh, I forget the term, but I was making okay. sure that the stream was working, and that's why I refreshed it because it had frozen on our okay. end. So I wanted right. to make sure it wasn't; ju- it was just your Wi-Fi connection, Noted. not something that was cool. wrong with the stream. So, so why don't we why don't we get going? 
Oh, I, re- <laughs> I refreshed the page again. I lost the question. No. Um, question Bruin, T-Boyle 13. I think you've heard of him. Uh, do you see a trade working out between the Flames and the Islanders uh, for Juso Valmaki? Vol- 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 I think I'm probably saying it wrong. For Scott Mayfield. Mayfield 29, UFA after next season. 23, RFA and Valmaki after next season is over. I have no idea. I have no oh, idea if I see asked. that happening. No, I don't. Oh, oh, I, oh. no, I have I mis- no idea. I misunderstood your yeah. response. My bad. No, and and I think Mayfield's a guy you gotta hang on to with his age and his contract. I don't think he's a guy you deal. I mean, they've already and and granted, he doesn't fit the same job description as some of the guys they've already let go. Right. But he's a guy they should be hanging on to. I mean, he's a solid middle to bottom. I mean, look, if you have a good, strong defense, bottom pairing defense defenseman. And I think he's a guy you hang on to. I don't even think you look at that. So I'm going to say don't touch that one, even if it's possible. All righty. Question Bruin from Mike4652Co. Uh, question Bruin. Uh, as the Isles are now slumping, do you guys think the team overall is oh, tired of playing the, quote, system? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I think the players still have faith in the system, in trots, in the staff. I don't think Barry's lost the room. I don't think that they're not having fun playing the system. And I don't keep wanting to reference back to the way the season started, but it, you just can't escape it. It, it, has, it has something to do with why they are in the situation they're in. But I think it's just more a product of not having the right horses now. Yeah. I just I don't think it's it's them – not one. Look, we have one bad sample against the Kraken. Does that mean the rest of the season they're going to mail it in like that? I don't think so. Uh, we'll give them. We'll give them the 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 one game here, the mulligan on the one game. If, obviously, if we see this happen more, where it looks like they've mailed it in, right? Maybe yeah. You I can mean, speculate not, a little more. I'm not going to give them a mulligan because I'm not an apologist like Sean. But sure. But look, Kyle Palmieri's not scoring goals. No. He was signed to do that. Yeah. Right. And. They're not getting as much offense out of the D as they should be. Yeah. Even or even if it's not points, it's it's just literally, you know, gaining the zone, having having a puck, puck moving defenseman so that they can have more opportunities for the forwards to score goals. Right. I think that has a lot to do with it too. And look, when you have Chara and Green back there, and and look, Chara is kind of in his own category. I think Green still playing a little better than Chara, yeah, I would even agree. though he's up there in age. I would agree. But. When you have those two guys in your regular six rotation, and <clears throat> the only the the only guy who who you hope develops into more of a true puck moving defenseman, Noah Dobson, Pollock again has offensive ability, but does he have the same ability to 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 lead a rush like Letty did or like Taves did? I don't think so. He's right. still a good weapon to have back there, but you know you have to hope Noah Dobson kind of develops into that. And if he doesn't, or even if he does, it'd be nice to have another one. It's good to have options. You want to have two pairs of the good puck mover, right? So I think it's more the horses. They're just not getting it done. And it's a combination of these guys, whether it's Char, Palmieri, or whomever's slumping. Pajot not putting up a lot of points. Bailey, streaky, right? He's putting up more points lately, but earlier on the season, we've, we've heard all the gripes, right? They're just not putting it together offensively like they were previously. And I, and I don't necessarily mean that's because they're, they're starting to tune out the system. Yeah, I, I think, and we've talked about this on a previous show mm-hmm. as well. I think a lot of it kind of comes down to age. And I think a lot of it comes down to this is a very grueling system that takes a lot of wear and tear on your body. And, and, and it is very tough to play at an 82-game pace. The Islanders haven't had to do that. And I think yeah, we're kind of seeing... 
Well, but it's, I think it's a, it's it's true at this point. No, it's it's valid um, for sure. But I didn't think it kind of comes to that. It's not that the guys don't like to play the system. I think they're trying to, but it, it does take a lot of energy and effort to do that. And it, it you're not going to get that. I think eighty two games across a full season because mm-hmm. as we've mentioned before. Even when you look back at the the years that they played a full eighty two game season, it didn't it didn't transpire through all eighty two games. It wasn't it obviously wasn't as bad as it is it's gotten right now, but still, I think there's something to be said for that. So I think that more or less is why you've seen those issues. Not that the guys don't like to play the yeah. system like Sean. I don't was think saying. we're there. No, um, and I, I just don't. I don't see that coming to be the issue. Andremi thirteen question Bruin if the Islanders just fall apart. And a major retool is needed. Is Lou a guy who is going to turn 80 this year up to making the necessary moves given the challenging cap situation? I think he's earned the right to to show us whether he can or not. I think he's capable of it. And I think, look, I think he has a very good pulse on what this team is, where it's at, and and what sort of moves he may or may not have to make. And and I think I said this a few shows back when Mm -hmm. we were kind of talking about this and and I think, assuming everything continues to go the way it's going, they don't make the playoffs, they, right. they fall short, I think next season is the is is going to be the biggest change to this roster that we've seen since Lou and Barry have taken over. I think that's finally when they decide to part ways with a couple of guys who maybe have been mainstays for one reason or another over the mm-hmm. past few years. And whether that's cutting a guy loose like Cal Clutterbuck and letting him move on after his contract expires or something like that. I think, you know, you just and bringing in somebody new for the defense because that just has to happen regardless. What is he going to be able to do with the forward situation? Is he going to continue to put faith in in this group? When you look at Palmieri, Bailey, Bavillier, is he going to say, okay, rough rough year scoring, shooting percentage, are they going to be able to do it next year? I think you can make a case either way. But at the end of the day, I, I think we, we see the biggest, quote-unquote, overhaul that we've seen. And, and I think there's enough there, though, in the core where they don't have to t- strip it all down and build it back up and have right. a long rebuild. I think they can build around the core that they have, starting with Sorokin and Barzell, and, and we can rattle off the rest of the names. Right. But I think there's enough there where if they can find some compl- complementary pieces... Complementary pieces? Complementary pieces. Yeah. Like Brock Nelson. Complimentary. Th- you're, you're one, two... Look, your, your centers are still looking yeah. good with Barzell, Nelson, yeah. Pajot, even if he's struggling a little offensively right now, and Sezikis, because he's back. He, he signed a nice little contract, right? So you're still going to have that one through four on the centers. Yeah. And, and I think... You kind of look at where the wingers are, and 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 you know you see some change there, and you see some change in the D. And I, and I saw some comments I think from, from T. Boyle. You got to get younger. Yeah, the team the team does have to get younger. They do, do have to try to get some younger guys. And whether that's allowing Wallstrom and Bellows to play a more regular role where they're trusted, or whether that's bringing somebody in from the outside. But yeah, I think we're seeing that for an eighty-two game season, this team needs more fresh legs, more younger legs that are gonna be able to get through that season like you were talking about. Yeah, I um I'm with you on that. I think ultimately I, I think the writing's on the wall. I think I, I, I don't I, I mean I said this when they when they made the, the signing of Ross Johnson the uh, official and all that. I think that's kind of was the first signal that Cal Clutterbuck especially mm-hmm. um is someone that they are they're prepping for going forward, right? Mm-hmm. That I think was the first inclination. So, and that it'll be interesting because I think you will see Lou Lamarillo have to kind of go through some financial hurdles that he's mm-hmm. had to deal with. But I don't know if they're going to be as 
arduous as they've been in the years past, right? Because mm-hmm. I think you have more guys coming off the books than you do um, that, that, that you, I think, are not coming back that um, make it a little easier and free up some more space. And, and to me, the biggest thing will be addressing the, def- the defense. Offensively, I think... That's priority number one for me. You can you can add a couple pieces here and there, but d- defensively is I think where your biggest focus is in the offseason. And it's really offense from the defense, like yes. we were talking about before. Yeah. Getting somebody who can complement the forwards and complement the right. offense. Because that's the thing. I think you can still go to battle with a good portion of the forwards that they they have already. But they need somebody from the back end to support those guys yep. to help them on the power play to help them establish zone time, get yep. more shots, get more accurate Just shots, move the puck. Exactly. Get over the, get over the red line. Yeah. And I think that's been a, a discussion that I've seen on Twitter. What's the bigger need? You know, is it, is it a winger? Is it a defenseman? I think it's, I think it's a defenseman. defenseman. I, th- I think they need to get Joe Sackick drunk and have <laughs> try to get him to deal back to Well, Peter Shirelli is apparently, uh, <laughs> he interviewed for the Chicago Blackhawks GM job. So if once he gets, once he gets rehired, the Islanders can fleece Fuck, him. Fleece open. Fleece that, that MFR for, for all he's worth, right? <laughs> sure. Just like not? they did when he was in Boston. There you have it. Uh, I mean, that, that really amazes me. The guys that continuously get thrown into the mix for GM jobs. Some guys deserve and warrant it, but does Shirelli know? I mean, is there nobody else they can find to take over for this? You know, to take over instead of that guy? I mean, even just to have, bring him in and be like, hey, let's give him an interview. What, what could we, I don't know. He could, you could hire him. That's the worst thing that could be that could happen is you hire that idiot. <laughs> uh, question brewing. If the Islanders... Question brewing. What is Varlamov's trade value uh, this time for... Uh, what is Varlamov's trade value? That's from T-Ball. We talked about yeah. that before. I said maybe you can get a first for him. I think you can get a first for him. Okay. He's a, he's a starting quality goaltender, as Joe Pantorno said. He can still start for almost any yeah. team in this league. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I feel like some Islander fans have been a little too hard on him. I don't think he's been as quote-unquote bad as, as some of are saying out there. He's been bad to the extent of he's not, and I think this is kind of like what we said about Sorokin the other week. He's been bad to the extent he hasn't been crazy, insanely good stopping all these crazy shots that he had done last, like he put the team on his back at points last season he's had some good outings this season look if you want to argue that he's had more bad than good i don't know maybe but i'm not saying has he's he been had, as good maybe maybe that, not yeah, that's i think what it is that's it it's, it's, he hasn't been as good as he was last year and so that looks like oh he's terrible because considering <laughs> right. what the level he was playing at right. before right um you know it's all kind of it's all kind of perspective there so i'm i'm I could see him getting a first round pick. I don't know if the Islanders do get a first round pick for 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 Varlamov. I think it's I, in the cards. I think he's worth it. Mm. The question is, is that something a team is willing to part with to get to bring in a Varlamov? It depends on which team you're talking about. If you got a team desperate for goaltending and they know that's their Achilles heel potentially in the playoffs, they'll give up that pick. But that's just my opinion. Question brewing from Mel Armenia. Do you think the Arizona Coyotes college experiment actually happens? I like that question because it could just be PR, right? It could just be we tried everything we could, it didn't work out, and we're going to have to move them, right? Like you have to explore all avenues and explore all options. Now, I kind of want it to happen because, again, because of how ridiculous it'll be. (laughs) <laughs> I just well, I just want to see basically every Canadian hockey fan lose their minds because that's going to be the narrative up there yeah. until they either move or get a new arena. How could you have this team in the desert playing 
in front of three to 5,000 fans, whatever it is, right? Yeah. How come Quebec doesn't have a team? That whole thing, right? Right. Because it's already, it's already happened. They're already pissed off up there over that whole thing, right? But it is, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I, it's pretty insane. I mean, it's like, what is it about the Arizona Coyotes? And good for the fans, but what is it about the Arizona Coyotes that just has the league going so hard to bat for this team? Because they haven't done it for everybody. Right. They, they haven't looked at these sorts of... I mean, they don't even have... It would be one thing if they had a done deal for another arena in place. They don't have a done deal for an arena. I... I yeah, it's... Like, like because this is the crazy thing. Like, this thing could happen. And then, by year one or two, they find out, well, <laughs> not going to work out. Right. <laughs> so... Enjoy, enjoy it while you can, because after they're done here in the college, because obviously it's not a long-term solution, right? Right. So you it's barely they, a short-term solution. Barely a short-term solution, and and you know the what kind of revenue are they going to pull in for this, right? They and and I saw today, I think it was Wyshynski who put a tweet out there, uh, some notes on what their what the league is is having. They have to spend twenty million dollars. I assume the team is going to do that. Yes. It's, it's certainly not going to be the, the college, right? So they're going to have to spend $20 million just to put an annex on this thing so they can have proper NHL-grade locker rooms. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to upgrade the arena, quote-unquote, itself, I, probably to to accommodate for, like, broadcasting and yep. stuff like that, right? Yep. Just like they had to do at the Coliseum mm -hmm. when they did the renovation. And it's just like they're bending over backwards for this franchise that, let's be honest, has no history. They well. They already moved from another city up in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they they had some runs in the playoffs, the Shane Doan years. Yeah, they made some conference finals. They they never made a Stanley Cup finals. They don't have any cups. Like, I don't know. Like, and I and I feel like that was kind of a bar for Gary Bettman a while back, where he used to say, "No team that's won a Stanley Cup will ever be moved," or something like that. Like, mm. once they establish a history, you know, they're they're there to stay. So I do wonder again, and and this isn't to like bully coyotes fans or say i hope they get out of there like you know because again we've we've been through these tough times on long island as far as you know wondering if you're going to have a team or not but it is it does strike me as in very interesting is this how and why the league is so willing to to go to bat for this franchise when they probably know if they move a little bit over to the east to to houston <laughs> they're gonna or another city for right. that matter they're gonna have an nhl Ready Arena. They're mm -hmm. going to have a, a a city with population density that apparently want hockey that 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 can make the money there. What is it? Because because look, I'm too cynical to think that <laughs> that Gary Bettman is just doing this for the good of Arizona and the fans of the Coyotes. I can't imagine it, it has to be something else. There has to be another reason than just oh yeah, I, I really just want to make sure this works out for the Coyote fans. It's got to be something else. I I don't know what that is. I think at the end of the day, I think that the uh, the Arizona State ASU plan, I think, is a little bit of a publicity stunt as much as it is um, kind of their, uh, as you said, kind of their way of being, look, we tried everything. We got to move the team somewhere else. I, I, think it's, I think it's the beginning of the end of the Coyotes in Arizona, to be honest with you. I think at this point, I think everyone knows the writing's on the wall, and I think this is going to be like when they moved the Thrashers out of, the thrashers out of Atlanta. They're gonna they're gonna look there and go, you know, it's the same thing Gary Bettman was saying mm -hmm. for months and months and months until they moved the Thrashers to Winnipeg. You know, we're not moving the team. We mm -hmm. try and save, right. mm -hmm. keep every location vi you know, viable, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're gonna move it somewhere else. I, I would put money that they move this franchise to Houston. 
I think it makes the most sense. I know Staying you said it, for it a long time. They have a a, a pro building already built. Um, you know that the Houston Houston. Uh, I think they don't have to shift divisions. The Toyota Center can already accommodate a hockey rink. The if you if anyone remembers back in the day, the Houston Arrows before they moved yeah, to Iowa, they played in the Toyota Center. They played there, and it's a it's a great facility for uh, going to see any sort of event there. So it would work well for hockey. It just doesn't make sense anymore. There's no way the league can allow this this ASU plan to go through because, as someone rightfully put in the chat, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the NHL. It's they're operating like a like a garage league, as as Seth Rarbo likes to call it. It's it's a really just scaled down version of the Nassau Coliseum solution. Just waiting for UBS Arena to be built, but they had a deal and it was being built. But I mean, and it was more than double the capacity, well, triple the capacity. I, I was going to say too that, that it was more of an NHL venue than a college rink. Of course, is. the fact that you have to spend the, if I remember correctly, the county. <laughs> have you seen the screenshots? The seats yeah. go up to here. <laughs> That's it. When the Islanders moved back to Nassau Coliseum, the the state. I only think only had they threw in five million dollars, mm. and I think maybe the Islanders had to throw in another two to get it up to to up to, to up to you know NHL the NHL minimum standards. The Arizona Coyotes have to throw in twenty million dollars just to get this up to NHL minimum standards, and they weren't paying their bills. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the organization, unfortunately for the fans of of the Arizona Coyotes, who, who there are I there think are the Coyotes ticket. fans. Um, you know, that organization is run like, you know, it's run like a shit show. Let's be honest. It is absolutely like from the owner down, that organization is run with as little class as the Danbury Thrashers. Thrashers. <laughs> wow. And that was owned by a mobster. <laughs> Some bold statements here. Oh, listen, I mean, you know what this reminds me of? And, and, and obviously I'm, there's a, go ahead. No, no, I just want to say for the record, it's not because uh, the Coyotes, they're, you know, they've, they haven't had success. If you look at the culture that they've cultivated be, be, between the sexual harassment and the, mm. the, the, the bad work environment that they've created mm. to their inability to pay their bills to the local government on time to the fact that they have not figured out what to do whether it's just putting an end to this yeah or finding a more permanent solution somewhere i i mean it's just there's no two ways around you can't sugarcoat the situation anymore whether it happens or not i think it still ultimately ends in the carry the arizona coyotes moving and what I was going to say before is this. Now, obviously, many elements of this are different, but what this reminds me of the referendum for the Coliseum. It was just a stunt. It yeah. was never going to pass. It was just, hey, we're trying to keep them at the Coliseum. And then they went to Barclays after that. I feel like that was just their last ditch, like, hey, we're giving this a shot. It was never going to win. It didn't pass. It wasn't um, close. I don't see. I disagree with. I because feel like that was a publicity stunt, especially on the part of. And again, it's just different. This is the league, and I feel like it was more of a political stunt. But anyway, I, what I, will, I I disagree with that to an extent because I think that while it was somewhat of a political stunt, the way that it was it was handled and the way that it was put, the idea behind putting this referendum in the middle of August was the idea that the people that no one's going to show up and you could you could pack the vote with enough people that would get it passed. And and they didn't make any effort to to even advertise it was happening. Like nobody uh, knew what was going on. I think the, except Islander fans, right? But that's really the only people you wanted to show up to vote anyway. Right, you didn't want Joe taxpayer because there was a big publicity blitz, and it was it was mm. from it was from the Democrats who didn't want the thing passed because it was Republican was, County, yeah. it was Republican yes. County executive. And, yep, um, same you know, BS it, on this it, island. When you look at the flip side, Tom Swazi, who, who was the county executive at the time, and the Lighthouse, Murray was a Republican. Right. She didn't want it was him to get his arena. Same right. crap. So it's the same. It's the same kind of 
toss up. But but the point being is, it, I, I think it was, there's a lot more in, at play than just oh, they, it was a publicity stunt. It was, it was a lot more than that. There was a lot of a lot of political footballs up in the air with that. And I think that if Ed Mangano managed to get that through, that would have been a big political victory. There's a reason why it was in the middle of August and not. Um, you know, put on the ballot and during a regular election time. I mean, the county spent millions of dollars to make this happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. if that's a political stunt, I understand the the corruption and the um, you know, the way of NASA, Long Island politics as a whole and politics in the state of New York as a whole. It, you could spend two hours talking about that. Um, the point being is though, they spent a significant amount of money to make that happen, yeah. and they spent spent a significant amount of time doing a lot of publicity blitzes and doing a lot of um doing a lot of push to make that happen and get the people that they wanted to there to vote that make that that vote pass. Yeah. It just didn't happen because the other side did a much better job of riding home the idea that this was going to raise your taxes and then this and that and then your taxes taxes went up anyway on the, on Long Island. So yeah. it, it you could you could spend 3 hours just on the referendum alone behind the the chaotic politics behind all the different maneuvers that happened during that that I want to say year, not even a year, maybe less than a year. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like after all the dust settled, it just felt like more of a stunt than anything else. Whether it was or not, I guess it doesn't matter. And and the funny thing is, everything ended up a little better (laughs) than if it had a past. I think think we we liked the way it ended up. I think the way it ended up now would have been better than if that referendum went through. So... And Mel Armina twenty two wants to know if we think they bring back if they bring back the Fisherman logo, will they have a Millbury night? <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> that was funny, but no, <laughs> they won't. <laughs> they will. They will not. They'll. Uh, I think they're as likely to have a Millbury day as they're as likely to have a John Spano day. <laughs> Just have it all in one night. Bring bring, bring back the Hall of Fame of the nineties crap John years. John Spano, Spano, Gluckstern, Milstein, <laughs> Millbury. You know what? Bring I don't even I don't know if he's still there, and I know it was more like the late nineties, early two thousands. But bring Kumar out of prison for one night. I think he's out of prison. <laughs> I think you're right. I think he is, but he was, <laughs> he was in prison, and he used to own the Islanders. Yes, yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a couple owners that have been in prison who used to own the Islanders. That's true. Wasn't one of the one Gang of, of Four. Yes, Gang of prison? Five. Gang, it? No, it's Gang of Four. Was it Gang of Four? Yeah. All right. Whatever. But yes, one of them I think went Spano to prison Bobble as well. Head night. I love that one. Spano <laughs> bobblehead night. Yes, that's hilarious. Wow, wow, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one of the gang of four or five. They were they were yeah a lot of crooks <laughs> on, on the New York Islanders. How about that? Lovely trip down memory lane. But yeah, I think the Coyotes are are, are headed elsewhere. I'm still sticking with Houston, but I would be very surprised that a they even get to the end of those what two, three, four years in, in the, on the college campus. And if they do, I still don't think they end up in Arizona. But Gary Bettman, hanging on for dear life. <laughs> what do you got? No, nothing. I was listening to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Gary Bettman's always hanging out for dear life. It's in Arizona, he is. But, you know, Atlanta, see you later. <laughs> Peace out, Atlanta. See you later. Yeah. Hartford, bye-bye. I'm okay with that one. I know. Well, you, that's been documented now. But I think, I think, Christian... It's been a two-hour slog here. Yeah, we, we uh, need this to go is, home. This might be the longest show we've done together. That, Tony and I used to do two hours all the time. Yeah. We're madmen. But yeah, two-hour show. And 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 any com- Oh, any comments on the Rocky Wirtz meltdown? Uh, I have a lot of comments. I will keep it short though because it is almost midnight, and I think Sean and I both do want to leave at some point. Um, I mean, it was a disgrace. Rocky Wirtz. Uh, it was a big middle finger. It was a big fu to the fans to the 
to the people that have supported the team and, and have really had to make a real disaster. Uh, you know, kind of have had to have a kind of come to Jesus moment with the way the organization's been run and the, the values of the organization over the last decade or so. Um, you know, Rocky Wirtz was a guy that I, I think in the matter of a couple months went from someone who transformed the, the Chicago Blackhawks to a Stanley Cup contending modern franchise to essentially becoming the second coming of his father and about about 2.5 seconds with the answer he gave um, Mark Lazarus. I tweeted it the night it happened, you know, the fact that he'd sit there and you go, it's none of your business, I think is a big middle finger and a big F you to the fans and to anybody that cares about the organization. Because as much as, as, much as a hockey team is a business, right? Sure, it's a business that's privately owned. Uh, any sports franchise is much of a is much of a publicly owned trust as it is a private business because it, it carries such so a significant it carries such a significant weight in the community uh, has such a significant significant impact and influence in the community in the local government right. et cetera et cetera so to sit there and go it's none of your business when the organization systematically failed to protect a member within its business and organization to the tune of allowing that person not only to be abused and taken advantage of and have their life ruined, but to the point where it impacted someone else that another person was victimized because of the ineptitude and inaction by the Chicago Blackhawks, all in the name of winning a championship, which is just absolutely disgusting. And to sit there and act as flippant and tone deaf as he did, I mean, just those words don't even do justice to what he was and did in that moment. I don't have much to add, Christian. I think I think you put it pretty damn well. I I mean maybe because it's midnight. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my speaking. I was going to say my spoken <laughs> word gets better, but apparently it does not. No, no, no. It just um, it all fell off. But uh, on, on a positive note, I think it I think it's a reminder of what uh, you know the Islanders have in John Ledecky and Scott Malkin, who I think understand the significance and the. I, I mean, you hope that's always the impression I've gotten that mm. you know. The Islanders have been treated, and, and the, the, when they bought it, it's enacted as a public trust, and they understand that. And I don't ever anticipate a moment where, even in even in the worst scenario, that the Islanders' ownership would act in the own way that, that Rocky Wirtz did uh, mm-hmm. in that moment. Um, maybe that's naive of me thinking, of the, my own thinking, but you know, I, I just think that's maybe the positive way to kind of take that. Mel Mel said we need to wrap it up, but she was the one who asked the question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we are going to wrap it up, folks. Cannot thank you guys enough for hanging out here live. Not only at 10 o'clock, but also for two hours. Straight hours. You guys are crazy. We love you. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. (laughs) So thank you. Huge thanks to Joe Pantorno of AM New York for hopping on the show with us tonight. And, of course, a huge thanks to our sponsors, starting with R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill, located at 279A, Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game. Don't just go for the aisles. They have live music, comedy nights, trivia, a late-night bar scene. They have it all. And, of course, a huge thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. And, of course, their brand-new location in East Islip and UBS Arena. They're an official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for the great selections and hockey-themed heroes. And a huge thanks to Thai Technology, a voice-over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. 
Check them out at TyTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. And a huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. You can order their great beers and merchandise. Fantastic new merchandise, by the way, Word. at Oyster oysterbaybrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York. And don't forget, you can get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y. And once again, big thanks to you guys for hanging out with us this late. Go to bed for crying out loud. You can follow Christian at C underscore Arnold 01 on Twitter. Follow myself at Shiloni Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast providers. Tell your friends. Tell them to follow us on Twitch. Follow us. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We're on YouTube now. We're all over yeah. the place. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Get some sleep. Good night. We'll see you Friday. And good luck. <laughs>